charcuterie board and a like extra version olive oil with balsamic vinegar uh, dip for some rosemary olive oil bread. <laughs> what are you doing, noob? Uh, not much. It's just watching the charts, reading a bit of Twitter. Anything exciting happening today in the news? Not really. Nothing that I'm aware of, at least. Well, uh, I I think that leak on on yeah, I, I reposted it to you. I think that Brian Rebler, he he just uh, leaked that that thing about Dolly, how they actually internally um, kind of castrate the, the output for the images. Right, this is kind of interesting. How much is going on? I'm not sure if you read that. No, but all of, you, you mean like how they tweak the the diversity, yeah, Google and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's the instruction for the GPT Hello? to instruct Dolly, Dolly to. Shit, my connection dropped again. Still there? Rock on this. Still there? Sefi? Hello. Can you hear me, guys? Yeah, I can hear you. I guess I gotta go back. Okay, is this thing working now or what? I don't know. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I just had issues with the. Um, <clears throat> I had kind of issues with uh, some Wi Fi shit in my house. Hold up a second. Anyway, um, yeah, you were saying something about Dolly? Yeah, anyway, so. It's basically the GPT um, kind of writes that is instructed how to write that instructional prompt for for Dolly, right? And uh -huh. it's, it's 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 kind of it's, there's a lot of instructions there and what not to do and don't tell anyone what you're doing. <laughs> it's really like he <laughs> just leaked their internal stuff, you know. Well, let's say it's not him, but someone leaked it. And hmm. I guess this is gonna this is gonna make. Gonna cause troubles in this industry, I would say. Yeah, looks like that. Interesting. So basically, they have to disclose in the future. He he just said, "Well, you better disclose it now, or there will be a law that forces you to disclose whatever your GPT is instructed to do or not to do." Yeah, but at the end of the day, like none of this stuff is really controllable. That's what I've been trying to say. Like you, you'll just have either a system that nobody trusts because it's not like doing its own thing. Or you don't trust it because it is doing its own thing. <laughs> like no matter what you do, you're fucked essentially. It's just what happens when you bring an alien like life form onto the planet, and it, these things behave however they want to behave. 
like no amount of control can get you aligned properly. Yeah, I, I guess they're just gonna break it. You know, the more they try to constrict it, the less it's gonna work. At least that's. I mean, this Gemini launch. Yeah, usually, usually, like the accelerationist crowd, they lack sufficient imagination of how many ways I can kill somebody. So the problem is, is that like, like the people that are like optimistic, you know, who who want to put these things in the hands of people that can do uh, kind of interesting things. They just don't realize how many bad things can you can do with AI and whatever. They just haven't thought about it far enough ahead. Is all it is. I find. Yeah, but the question is, will it just happen anyways? You know, it's, it's like there's, it's, it's like with humans, they always think like, oh, we can do something about this and that, but can you really? You know, will it just happen? It's just like it's the entropy, right? Because it's, it's like thermodynamics. It's just. <laughs> It's kind of that's where it goes, you know. So, no, it's just the old saying, you know. It's just fuck around and find out. That's what it is. Yeah. You you like you won't know if the outcome is going to be good or bad. Just see what happens. That's all. Yeah, exactly. So, what's what what is what are our coins doing? What are what coins? Um, hmm. Yeah. Not too much, really. I think uh, everything just sort of like stayed flat for this week, right? There's nothing really special happened. Of course, like for me, yeah. plus or minus thirty percent is like flat. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it looks pretty pretty good, honestly. I I, I think, um, yeah, I was kind of worried that we see some some deeper retracement before the halving, but I I don't think we get one. You know, probably just gonna not gonna move too much. But alts can actually could actually run over the next couple of weeks. There's still time. I'm just not sure in April or something. You know, some... I don't know. Like I think it's um, plus or minus a few days. You know, it's almost impossible to tell, really. So it's or is impossible to tell. So I think, like, um, you know, how how are we going to be nine months from now? Probably really good compared yeah. to where we're now. Yeah, that's my theory. So it's like, does it really matter exactly on a week to week? Probably not. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how it works in the US, but here usually lawmakers, like um, in these couple of months, they kind of set new things for the year, right? So it's like um, they try to find some consensus and pull some strings here and there and whatever adjustments and then see how the rest of the year goes. Adjust what now? I mean, just lawmakers and governments, usually in the first couple of months of the year, they try to whatever they have on there again oh, that they yeah. finalize. Probably, yeah. I don't know if it has anything to do with any of this stuff, but <laughs> yeah. And there's no way to predict any of that shit either, so. Yeah, uh, not really. Not really. Yeah, well, it doesn't look too bad. I mean, Germany is basically still fucked because of the energy prices. I don't know how they're going to solve it. It's even shut down the last three years. Nuclear power plants that we had perfectly good. I mean, and they're like, yeah, we don't stuff cost over there now. What is the? <laughs> like, don't want to know. Is, <laughs> is the electric bill just crazy or what? Well, it, it depends, right? I mean, it really depends on where you live and how much you consume and blah, 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 blah. But I'm paying like 40 cents per kilowatt hour. It's really like, wow, wacky, you know. That's triple what we're paying. Mm, yeah, I mean, in in China, in rural areas, you pay like six cents per kilowatt hour, 
right, for retail. Industry usually pays around 11 cents, so there's a taxation in there. It's almost throughout all the countries the same rate for electricity, which is kind of interesting. There's not too much difference there in China. And, and there's like, if there's one person per month, it's like there's a kilowatt hour limit. If you're over it, you pay a higher rate. So they incentivize you to save on electricity in your personal. So, but it's, it's just for the entire country, right? It's, it goes per capita. Kind of interesting how they do it. But um, yeah. And here it's like, it's completely crazy. So the chemical industry is completely fucked over here. They're like shutting down plant after plant after plant because they can't compete on the worldwide market, right? So, really? Is it pretty pretty severe right now? Yeah, well, they don't go the, the prices won't go down, right? I mean, they shut down the fucking nuclear power plants that they had, and there's like, yeah, another government comes up and say like they're like, yeah, another wind. It, it's like the problem is with we have if there's wind, there's enough. But if there's no wind, there's not enough electricity. So what they basically do is is they have to turn on gas power plants, which are super inefficient. And gas right now is like 30% is LNG that we import from Qatar or from the US or whatnot, right? LNG, I mean, it's like frozen gas, right? So someone compresses it, cools it down, puts it into a fucking tanker, you know? <laughs> it's just like absolute nightmare in an energy equation. And uh, yeah, so we end up with pretty high energy prices and that fucks it'll screw in the entirety of Europe in the end of the day. You know, the European Union will have huge issues, so they have to fix it. So, this. like, the nuclear power plants and whatnot can't be turned back on there, I guess, or are they completely yeah. decommissioned or what? Well, it's not just that, Sefi. They also have a problem with the net gas price, per se, because um, for most chemical processes, you need not just electricity, you know, so need gas for heating because it's just cheaper for process heat, but then also methane is a basic compound for a lot of other things, right? So like if you make fertilizer, you in that process goes your, your methane directly, right? Stuff like that. Anyway, so um it's it's not just the electricity, but it's also that natural gas is so expensive. It's really expensive. It, it like doubled or something, and, and it won't come down. You know, I mean, it, it peaked in 2022 because of the stupid war and whatnot, but still, the floor price it, it will be still doubled in like um, 2021. Yeah, natural Whatever gas around here has been pretty much dirty. Yeah, so it's a problem because it, it's going to affect the entirety of Europe. You know, if that motor here is, is stalling in Germany, it's like Italy is fucked and France is fucked. It's, it's like it's all interlinked, right? Yeah. Anyways, so I wonder how long this shit with Russia will go on because they're like, yeah, we want the war and we want more war. But at the end of the day, they're probably like, yeah, fuck, we don't make money. Let's turn on the gas from Russia again, at least as. I, I I would say at least enough to to make this work out over here, you know, and find some truce or whatever. Who cares, you know? Or morons anyway. And we as a normal citizen, we don't have the say in that, anyways. You know, whatever I say here on spaces doesn't make fucking difference. So why waste my time on it? <laughs> yeah, but uh, Seth, so yeah, I, I like the price action. Actually, I, I was worried that it dipped, would dip more over the, over this week, but it held up pretty nicely at around 20, right? It's kind of cool. 
it's kind of we had the same kind of action in you remember when it was there at six dollars or something and it dingled there around for a couple of days in and when was that back let me look at the chart it was like in the beginning of november right so it was like for a couple of days it just went a little bit up and a little bit down around four dollars and then it made that made that nice pump yeah looks pretty similar so I guess we are prepared for next leg up very soon. At least that's my gut feeling. Not sure what you think. I think he's having trouble connecting. Yo, have you guys seen this China stuff? Are we all in America? Where are we? <laughs> We're everywhere. What's going on? We're yeah. everywhere? All right. Well, us Americans in the room, we're fucked. We're oh, fucked. you're talking about the invasion? The Chinese, dude, there's a balloon over Colorado right now. Oh, like, we know. Are we about to get fucked? I feel like we're about to get fucked. Well, I mean, what about the 30,000 uh, people coming over the border a month from China? That's, I wonder, you know, it's, it is interesting. We got the book. Did you, did, you, did you hear the FBI? Uh, February 7th was like, hey, China's been spying on us successfully for the last seven years. And we're at risk for our electricity and water going out. I did not hear that. But... Have you guys, has anyone heard of this? <laughs> and there's a fucking balloon over my state right now that the military is, is looking at. Like, what is Are they this? chasing down a balloon again or what? There's balloons all over the place. Yeah. It's like, what, what, what the fuck are we, if we're about to have an apocalypse or something, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Yeah. I need a couple months. Can someone tell China? I, ha I don't even have my post-apocalyptic group formed Just yet. Turn off the, the news. Then you haven't even gotten your fucking giraffe yet. Seriously. <laughs> I haven't gotten my fucking giraffe yet. They need to put it on hold. I think it's coming from China, if I were to guess. Probably. That's true. Your giraffe is probably from China. Or from India. They do a lot of this kind of artisanal stuff nowadays. Lots coming from India, actually. Not so much well, from China. I need them to wait until they strike us till I get my giraffe. It's not fair. I already paid for it. Hey, don't don't worry about that stupid balloon. Yeah, dude. Don't worry, dude. Hold on. It, it is concerning that balloons can just fly over our country and grab intel. Yeah, yeah. Higher up, there are satellites from everywhere. You know, it's like. It's even worse. <laughs> it's it's sad, but I think China's going to get away with whatever they can. You know, what, you know what they're doing. They want to figure out the best slopes um, in Aspen are for their skiing expedition. Don't they have? Their, know, don't they have better mountains than us? I think they have the internet and shit. You can look that up. You know those contortionists, those Asian people that can like make themselves fit in like really small spaces. So her giraffe is coming from China, and it's going to be a Trojan giraffe with Chinese in there. Why would someone want to kill me, man? Yeah, the belly of the giraffe is going to open up, and it's going to be like a little ninja inside of there. He's going to like steal some of your, I don't know, spaghetti or something. I don't eat carbs, but. No, I we might be fucked. Do you guys have a plan in case the internet, electricity, water goes out? Uh, I used to have a plan. That was a long time ago. I heard AT&T went down yesterday for a while for some people. Yep. 
Another weird thing, lots of weird things happening right after the FBI's warning us about China. Yeah. It's uh, pretty crazy. Hey, Sethi, have you seen all this uh, news about the Google AI, the images coming out of the Google AI? Uh-huh. What about it? <laughs> Did you hear the news? Like, it... it yeah, just like the attempt to try to be like more inclusive. Sorry about inclusive. that. Yeah, like <clears throat> be more inclusive. If whatever. you said, if yeah. you said, hey, hey, Gemini, uh, create a picture of like Elon Musk or Britney Spears. It was like an African American Britney Spears or something like that. Like no white people whatsoever. It's pretty crazy. Pretty weird. Yeah, and it's just like misguided imbeciles running the, those kinds of like protocols. Yeah, yeah, I. No, it's but it's not really possible not to in, inject your personal views and politics into uh, the code or the algorithm or whatever. It's just not possible. Yeah, I. So I, I think, there's no solution I, to this problem. I think they made an official announcement that, like, hey, we're we're trying to be inclusive, and you know, the algorithm got mixed up or something like that. But I think Elon was tweeting about it, saying, you know, this this just exposes some of the the shadowy stuff they're doing behind the scenes, and, and you know, it's it's amazing. It, yeah, of yeah, course, it's amazing. This has been going on. Yeah, but like. Um... For example, they've been like upvoting, um, you know, liberal uh, stuff for the longest time. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I'm all for equal opportunity and equal balance, but when it's you have an AI that's gonna, you know, I mean, I I just it amazes me that they would let this thing run as long as they did without shutting it down because there's there was some really funny pictures getting generated by. This this uh, AI image generator. Anyways, mm. no big deal, I guess. Yeah, it's not the right topic for Zephy. He hates morons. You know, it's like um, if you want to talk with him about it, he just gets pissed off at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just an example how AI can be manipulated. You know. Yeah, it's like it's like anything. There's it's uh, it becomes automatically political. Um, when any anytime you affect so many people at once with anything, it automatically becomes a politically contentious thing. Where like, it'll always be like the problem between free speech and the problem between like you know yelling fire in a theater and like empowering you know Hitlers and shit. So like, usually um, everyone's happy as long as like communication is being used for good things or whatever but like you know you, you get the good with the bad automatically i think at&t said that the the outage was like some sort of some software process issue or something in a sort of like network upgrade or something that they were doing so something got fucked the up. New solana right <laughs> yeah yeah the new solana um so apparently not anything more than that Uh, by the way, Avex Avalanche stopped today for like six hours or something. It went down. Avalanche, AVAX. the blockchain. Yeah, uh, like supposedly that chain's that chain's supposed to not go down. Yeah, six hours or something. No blocks produced. That was four uh -huh. hours, I think. 
Yeah. yeah, they had some some upgrade, and there was a bug in the code, and it just stalled out the CPU, so the nodes couldn't sync anymore. So it's nothing really happened. It's just like in general, they pushed some some upgrade to the nodes, and there was a bug in there. They didn't figure it on. And today, someone minted some NFTs or something, and then it just triggered the whole thing. Yeah, my problem with all these things like Cardano and Avalanche and Tron and Polkadot and I don't know, really any of these like top layer one, uh, BNB and whatnot. Like it's basically just trading junk coins back and forth. It's really all anyone's doing on them, like legitimately. So if you wait long enough time, like, you know, like you, they're going to like find their true value and it's, it may not be as high as th these things look at this point. Um, like, I don't know. I didn't realize that they went down today, though. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all EVM chains, right? So they're all Solidity smart contracts and whatnot. It's kind of weird that, you know, they don't want to scale ETH and then they let all these other things pop up, like FTM and Avalanche and Optimism and Arbitrum and blah, you name it, right? So it's like there's a bunch out. They all use they're all EVM compatible, right? And if they ever scale each Ethereum properly, you just could could do it all on, on Ethereum, right? But they never wanted to do it. Really I don't think weird. Ethereum is scalable, and that's the problem. Well, I don't know, you know, but definitely there, there could be a fix to it, you know. You, but I guess it's, it's probably more lucrative to just do these spin-offs, you know. I don't know. Like you can make infinite chains now, so it's like yeah. it's kind of what it like. Um, it's not obvious that any one thing is going to be really a big winner. Yeah, but it's almost like with Cosmos with Adam, right? It's bootstrapping all the other chains, and the same for Ethereum. It's like it's always like Polygon and everything is always there's the liquidity is basically is all bridged from Ethereum, right? There's always a bridge, even on Avalanche. There's a bridge to Ethereum. For the USDCs and, and whatnots, right? There's a smart contract on Ethereum that holds all the collateral. Hmm. <clears throat> um. So I didn't find this. Uh, are there any, is there like this news about this balloon thing? Is it interesting? No, not really. They don't even have a good picture. Is it like what kind of balloon is this this time? Weather balloon. It's one of those white kind of like shiny balloons. Yeah. I don't know. It's not aliens this time. You guys yeah. talking about the balloons? Yeah. yeah. Yo, I'm like, actually, I actually feel like just in case everyone should have like a plan. I'm reading through like all the uh, caught times that China's taken shit from us. And this seems like important shit. Like, not good. What are they taking? They took, like, they've been doing this since 2000. Or I, I get, I'm guessing before that. But, um, like, the most striking one is that we were developing um, anti-ship missiles. Like, protection mm -hmm. against that. They took that. That one scared the fuck out of me. There's a bunch of them. Apparently, they're all up in our business. I didn't know this. Like they're in the citizens business, they're in the. I heard about the TikTok stuff. 
these surveillance balloons, it says uh, on BBC, it says they they fly about 80,000 feet to 120,000 feet. And usually like fighters or fighter aircraft are like 6,500 commercial airlines at 40,000 feet. So pretty high. And then. The so size of three buses. They're fairly expensive to shoot down because the. You have to shoot a missile and shit at it to get it down. But they probably transmit all the shit that they need well before like you blow it up, right? Yeah, and it also has a mechanism where it can blow itself up, but it didn't detonate. Hmm. I don't know. So also, this one... I don't trust anything I'm fucking reading. <clears throat> but I'm... February 23rd, video appears show China balloon shot down. So they, already, they already blew the thing up, I guess. Yeah, but then the FBI and CIA February 7th came out and was like, hey guys, by the way. <coughs> hmm. Like, we think that China might try to shut down our water and electricity. A lot of people could die. Oh, yeah, like like hacking into the, the grid and whatnot. Apparently, they already did. Apparently, they're, they're all up in our shit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're up in their shit, too, most likely. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Do you, do you ever read the Snowden files? No. What they, what, what, so... So Snowden, I think he they talked about it in the, the movie as well. And then his Joe Rogan podcast that he did. So one of the jobs that he had before he left the Russia and all sorts of shit, um, he was working as a subcontractor for the NSA over in in China. And they pretty much he talked about how his job and a few others jobs were to put back doors and little i guess hacks of some kind some kind of viruses into their electrical and water grids where in china because it's all computerized in china yeah yeah everyone, everyone that was like stuff back and forth oh so we did we, we're yeah, doing so, it to them too okay cat shit we in every country girl okay. yeah. every goddamn country there is we're really yeah. into I just don't want any part of it. Like, is there a country that's like based and out of it? Sweden? Sweden? Is Sweden? Maybe go to to Fiji or somewhere. No one's in Sweden shit, right? You just want to be neutral? You just want to? Yeah. I don't want any fucking part. Like, humans are fucking monkeys. I don't associate. I don't associate. Beyond the the first ship to Mars, then. What about Costa Rica? I hear Costa Rica is like pretty neutral. And they're just kind of, they don't have an army. They're pretty chill. I'd like to go down there sometime. I just like, I'm literally just a girl. I'm so innocent. Like, you, y'all can't, like, let the men. The war is a masculine trait. Yeah, the, yeah men tend to be more aggressive. And the female side tends to be more nurturing. Wanna, I feel you know. like, well, I'm not nurturing either, but I, I feel like, uh, I feel like to settle stuff, we should just put the president of each country in like a cage death match. <laughs> like, I feel like that would solve so much more. You just have, there's just two people's lives at stake instead of everyone's. used to do that, you know, they had this option back in the days. <laughs> we need to go back to that. Women tend to be more brutal I don't, I don't than know men. About that. In the cartel. Oh, yeah. 
because so from a feminine into from a male right like you were talking about yesterday the the military the women they're having to fight each other um because one's trying to get above the other in a sense well if you look in the cartel all the women that became like cartel lords they were far more ruthless than any other cartel dude oh i far mean that makes sense to hold on that to makes power. sense because it and would then, be much harder to be a woman and get in that position so they'd have to be like disgusting right yeah and they're i mean they are completely ruthless but even like emperors um from way back in the day um if there was like a female one they were ruthless especially like in the vikings and shit i mean they were more ruthless than the men that's not that's not always true i know there was an empress of china that everyone loved because surprisingly she was like very humanitarian she like helped everyone she educated people put more money into the people i can't remember her name she wasn't supposed to be empress but then then when she did such a good job everyone was like oh okay we'll let her does anyone know what i'm talking about? it doesn't matter i was looking in your profile it says psychopharmacology is that like a degree yeah i have a degree in psychopharmacology i think it, okay. a, a little baby degree like pharmaceutical a little st- stupid baby degree <laughs> pharmaceutical stuff um no i think it's like even less general than that it's like uh it's i think it's just like general neuropsychopharmacology got it got it i don't know there's like a there's like a there's like a the degree has a name but i don't remember but it, it's basically just drugs <laughs> yeah yeah <clears throat> i think that's another problem america's got too but i guess they have their place don't get me wrong you know i i, I have the hot take that i mean with the drugs thing it's not as um it's not as big pharma is evil as people think it is some i would say is but a lot of it really is we we're just doing the best we have with the methods we have but i think the real problem and people get really mad when i say this but i think this is a huge problem and i i absolutely would fight to the death on this is i don't think that anyone should be diagnosing neurodegenerative disorders and giving medication for it without looking at the brain. You can't, you shouldn't be looking at behavior and then making assumptions on what, what is happening on the brain and then treating the brain based on that. That's very dangerous and we're very bad at it. And I don't, I don't know why that is. I I don't understand why um, psychiatrists don't have to look at the brain. Yeah, they have a good track record. They used to well, I can explain that pretty pretty readily. In order to so, what you would need to do is you need to do actual randomized controlled studies that demonstrate that if you used those techniques versus other techniques and you modify therapy based on them, that the outcome would be different. That's that's what you need to do to make that process change. Sophie, we've known this so. No, but like, the, but these types can, of like studies are, are are quite large and expensive. So someone has to do them, and there's no like the device manufacturer is not incentivized to do them. 
So you'd have to spend national money to do it. It's that simple. And if you, you can go and start a study, like, and, you know, try to get an NIH grant and whatnot, but um, it's just a matter of like, who's going to do the work. So these things are like, they change over generations. It's not like, like, hmm, why didn't we do this last week or whatever? It's just there over, over like decades and decades, these things slowly emerge. Okay. I, I see what you're saying, but then we're fucked because no one's going to pay for that because the only people that helps are just the people that doesn't yes. help. Big well, I mean, usually society, society no, that's why it's usually, these are government studies. Usually like, uh, you oh, but would, no one who would care enough, who cares enough? No one uh, cares. People do, people do NIH funded studies on a lot of things. Uh, it just, you would have to be, you'd have to have someone that cares about studying that thing and you'd have to go and actually do the work. That's it. Like, like sitting around talking about it doesn't get it done. So someone has to actually do that physical work and enroll. Well, patients. I'm a musician now. So I do the whole nine yards. So I'm not saying you, I'm just saying someone has to do the work. And if it's like, it hasn't, there's a lot of things like, so who are we going to point? Who are we going to blame them? Who do there we are plenty of things at? like in medicine and whatnot that, um, need studying um but have nothing's been like it, it hasn't happened yet take for example a lot of stuff has to be done in pediatrics but no one like you know no one can figure out like what is an appropriately ethical you know trial to do in a pediatrics case so that we have like a 50-year lag period between adult medicine and stuff you might do in infants or something um but uh, i so don't then, but then that's so and that's pediatrics. And then another group that you have a real hard time doing any kind of studies and progression on is uh, pregnant women. So the thing is like mm, different meds and whatnot that would be used for pregnant women, um, like designing and generating studies to randomize pregnant women. So anyway. The thing I don't understand completely is this seems more like a policy like a government change or correct me if i'm wrong because we we do know it's 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 not we know that it, it's common sense that we would be we would stop over diagnosing or misdiagnosing as much if we look at the brain is that even up for discussion like there's a reason that um well, <clears throat> there's other parts too like number one just because you look at the brain doesn't mean that it identifies automatically what compound to use it doesn't really tell you what chemistry change to make or anything of that nature there's no, there, there's not like that degree of granularity on imaging of brains yeah there is yes there is so for no. like for example no. yes no. yes for example no. okay so you randomize it then for example like you gotta example, prove it let me yes. tell you okay for example and i will go find the studies for you to look i i, no, I know they exist trials it doesn't matter if you just image there's, things they have to be on, an outcome based Sophie, trial hold on Hold on. Follow me. There are, yes, I follow you, but you're not following me because you don't understand what I'm saying. For example, in depression, there's two main types of brains in depression. Um, okay. One of them is underactive. The other is overactive. So high anxiety, whereas the other one is just depleted in, uh, in um, monoaminergic activity like dopamine, okay. serotonin. So one's just underactive. One is overactive. If you give a stimulant to an overactive brain that causes mania. Uh, they could have a manic episode and possibly hurt themselves. Like this is very dangerous. But if you give it to someone with an underactive brain, it will genuinely help their life. That's why treating these 
and they're both diagnosed depression. They both you're gonna, so fall what's the imaging, under depression. What's the imaging so that, strategy you're going to use? When you look at the brain, you can see, you can see on the, I will show you, the brain in the overactive lights up in the limbic system. It's, in, it's, it's red everywhere. Um, people that go into fight or flight, uh, because they're so anxious, right? They have a lot of cortisol in their system, blah, blah, blah. You can see this in the brain. Underactive one is the exact opposite. It's like all gray. It's all blues. It's all cold. Okay. But there, but there has there been a randomized trial comparing using that, the two different, so you identify the various types of, um, brain phenotypes using this technique in people with some sort of clinical depression symptoms, and then you randomize them to. Uh, give them a drug versus not give them a drug or whatever, right? You have to actually prove that that actually makes a difference. So I it's think not, it's so. Not, it in was, medicine, was... I can tell you this right now, in medicine, like the the problem is like you you can't simply just make an um, assumption that that brain will benefit from this drug and that brain won't, and et cetera, because the problem is like common sense just simply doesn't work in medicine at all. Like you have to actually prove it with by randomizing. So I don't know how far they've gotten no, with that. No, wait, hold on. They're, they were teaching it in school. So as, as like things that we know. Mm -hmm. So I would assume, yes. Like, for example, I learned that uh, lithium, uh, in the case of like schizophrenia, mm -hmm. um, it's not that it's like so great, but it's a good option for schizophrenia. However, if you are misdiagnosed, um, schizophrenic and you are given lithium, this is very, very dangerous. It can give you symptoms of schizophrenia. We've known this for a long time. You give someone who doesn't have ADHD Adderall, they're on Adderall long enough, they'll pit, they will literally develop an ADHD mind. We've known this. Hmm. Um, let's see here. Um, I'm looking to see like if there's um, Sorry, like, I brought it up. I'm just curious, like if there's. I'm uh, not they, angry. I just. I'm, I'm just curious like, if there's actual like outcome studies on the subject. I didn't think that, we had. That's to, what has to. So, in other words, to have that become standard of care, you have to have an outcome-based study. So the FDA pretty much will say, okay, like okay, this device has been approved to be used for differentiating this type of depression versus that type, ADHD versus not, and then a study would be done uh, using that data, saying, okay, like using this data, we're going to treat this patient, this group of patients this way. And we're going to treat another group of patients by doing something different. Like we're, we're going to maybe not give them that drug or whatever. And then Wait, you'd watch them want? and you see meta-analysis. So you'd look, you'd look at the outcome over, um, well, no meta-analysis is like an analysis of multiple study that you put together. Um, after like, let's say you have three studies and they're all slightly different, but you're trying to like combine the data together. That's a meta-analysis, but a, right. Singular well, now, you got to have singular ones first. Like, like this is why I don't understand because I, I don't know. I don't know what it what it takes for policy changes. But if we didn't understand these things, mm -hmm. would they be taught in school? Because essentially, uh -huh. like, because if if that's not the case, then I spent years of my life like that. I should just throw away. Or what? um, I, like psychiatry. Well, psychiatry, generally speaking, as far as like understanding the brain is basically in its absolute infancy. Like it's that simple. And the reason is because the brain's a black box and you can't like biopsy it easily. You can't watch it in action easily. And yes, the... we can't wait. Hold on. 
This is just not true. I've seen it with my own eyes. I'm an actual I, I, I don't have a study. I don't have a study for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but I've seen it. I do EEGs on people with diseases. I'm just, okay, then what are you what are you talking about? We do MRIs and all these things. But my point is, but they don't tell you enough. The the detail is not sufficient enough where you actually know the biochemistry at a moment to moment basis of what's happening in your head, right? So the fi- like fine tuning oh, okay. oh, how oh, the brain I, works. I get what you're saying. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I, the fine tuning of how the brain works would be great. Like if we could do it. No, I I um, okay. But, now I understand what you're I saying. I mean, even well, in the lung on. where we have like total access to the thing, I can get a biopsy sample of your lung tissue, whatever. There are still plenty of diseases for which we have no fucking clue why they happen. No, no, okay. Wait, like hundreds on. of I, them. I, I was, like not, I not was, a little bit. I was misunderstood. Now I get what you're saying. That's a problem with pharmacology as a whole. I wouldn't oh, say we're in yeah. our inf- infancy, but that's like, yeah, if we could get a dopaminergic agonist to only hit in the basal ganglia, we yeah. could cure so many problems, which- Or um, it's like, let's take, for example, obsessive compulsive disorder. Let's say I have like mm, a compulsion for recurrent hand washing, for example, or I keep locking my door seven times a day before I walk out the door. Like we don't have like a pill that makes that one thing disappear. Right. Yeah, Not, yeah, because yeah, yeah point, because but, because when when because of how the how drugs are tr- are transferred, we don't control where in the brain it goes. Exactly, we don't control where it spreads. It For just sure. you take it all together. So I get what you're saying, but that's not that's not. I mean, like, but we still know how to treat things the best we can. Sure, sure, and of course. We like, still know that we could do much much better and a lot mediate has, a, a lot, lot of harm. A lot has changed in terms of just like the number of side effects people have with modern antidepressants, for example, compared to the ones we used back in the 90s. Like, um, like to the extent that um, the number of people I see in intensive care now compared to before with various antidepressant related side effects is just almost infinitesimally smaller. Like you almost never see people get to that level of illness. Um, so basically like the, whatever drugs we do have, have been tweaked and sort of fiddled with the chemistry has been adjusted and like, it might be, it might be ketamine. Cause we were for a long time, we were using SSR. I think we still, I think it's still the most prescribed, but the thing about anti treating depression is it's really, really tricky again, because you don't want to give a stimulant to someone that is manically depressed. That's really dangerous. You don't want to start giving out Adderall to everyone that's sad. That would have really, really, really bad effects or scary effects that no one wants to deal with. So we use SSRIs, which the efficacy of those are all have always been contested. But they're also like they were believed to be to be working. I, I, I need to be careful about what I say. There's, there's plenty of people on SSRIs that are perfectly happy with how effective they are. Like you can ask. You can yeah, ask patients all the time. Like yeah, there, there'll be people that are like, oh yeah, for sure. I felt much better after using this. Or that's the serotonin yeah, but have uptake, you right? Seen... Wait, wait, real quick, yeah. SSRIs, you're talking Zoloft, you're talking yes. serotonin, right? Exactly. I mean, it helps I the think brain. Zoloft is something else, isn't it? No, it's SSRI. There's SSRIs and SNRIs. Um, they're slightly different. And then there's, I, I don't know all the different nuances of the, I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't do this all day. But just bring back lobotomies. Yeah, go back. That, that would work. Um, no, but like, so the, the, the fine tuning of these things and also the slight differences in chemistry of the molecule 
So the thing is, like, when you look at organic chemistry, you have a lot of nuances you can do to the actual molecule, like tweak one hydrogen atom here and tweak, you know, slight thing here. And then, but the problem is, after you've done that, you've got to do a whole new randomized trial. And those things take years to finish because let's like, first you got to have the drug, then you have to design the trial. You have to believe that like, for some reason, this molecule is better than the last one you had. And then you have to go and like, and those trials take years because by the time you enroll, let's say like a couple thousand patients, and then you do like a trial over the course of, let's say two, three, four years to prove that side effects are less or the efficacy is there, you know, like quite literally like within true drug rounds, you've now like a, ge a generation of humans have gone by, like who, you know, you would hope would have benefited from that drug. But so like, it seems glacial when you say like, why haven't we gotten to X, you know, thing at this point? Why haven't Hold we accomplished on. whatever? But wait it's, a second. Hold it's been on. moving pretty nice. You're missing been, something that, that I'm saying is, I'm just going to say it. I know it's unethical to say this, but it's just the truth we don't have a lot of evidence that SSRIs work more than sugar pills. Like, which like, I don't like saying very often, but we don't, it's always been contested, but it's always been the safer option. So I agree that we, we are, we are doing the best we can. And I also agree it's pro it was choosing SSRIs as the main treatment for depression is probably like the wisest choice because again, you don't want to start giving out stimulants to depress people. That could have bad outcomes. So I, that, so I am acknowledging that part of it. But what I'm saying is for neurodegenerative disorders in which the treatment of those disorders can give you the disorder. And mind you, neurodegenerative doesn't get better. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. It doesn't stop. So like when we're giving out these pills, we shouldn't be diagnosing people. What I'm saying is that it should be illegal, I think, to diagnose these people um, without looking at their, at their brain. Like there's, there's no, no, Again, it can only be made, it can only be made illegal if there's not illegal, but it can only be made standard care. Again, if there's direct evidence that doing that has an outcome difference. And the reason why is because it gets very, very, very expensive to image everybody. So there's not enough money in this country to do it. There's not enough money That's in this probably country. Why it isn't. Let, let me give you an example. There's not enough money in this country to give everyone a colonoscopy at the prescribed time period, because just to reduce the amount of colon cancer in the country, you'd need to do like one every five years on the entire population or whatever it is. Like there's not enough money in the, in the country. You'd have all of the money in all of healthcare just doing colonoscopy. So number one, psychiatric care, like um, until like MRI imaging or all the other types of imaging you'd be interested in uh, became dramatically um, just cheaper in terms of like the actual doing of the thing. Like there is no money in this country to do all that it just doesn't exist. I'm just saying like we're doing essentially what we did with the crazies where we were like, we don't know what to do with them. So we're going to throw them in a home. Um, and people look back on that and they're like, that's that terrible. We're still yeah. kind of doing that and not just that, but it's like dangerous because we're also giving people that are, are, I guess, I, I see what you're saying. Like, we don't live in a utopia, whatever. It's just unfortunate. Yeah, it's a hard, like, um, if you had asked me, like, compared to when I first started school, um, I remember, like, working in city psych hospitals and stuff um, as a student and whatever. Uh, this is back, like, 90s and all. And um, if you say, like, 
is it better now than it was then? I'd say absolutely different. Like night and day, the number of like hospital stays and whatever now compared to then, especially regarding side effects from the various things. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, schizophrenia drugs, whether it's uh, depression drugs, what have you. Um, Do you have a mental ward in your what, hospital? Uh, yeah, there is one at our hospital. There's an entire separate hospital for it too. I get the ones that like, if people try to commit suicide for different reasons, I see those folks, um, you know, but like, I don't go into the nuances of their problem at that moment, because at that moment, I'm just dealing with toxicity issues. And most toxicities just wear off, you know, like people overdose on things and they wear off and they go, they leave. So there's not a lot of like direct things I have to do, except occasional people wind up getting say intubated or something like that. If they overdose on opiates or some other, you know, poly substance overdose, get them out of that. Most patients get better within like a day or two and they're out of the hospital, they're out of the ICU and all. So, um, but yeah, like uh, as far as I don't start their new, and it's like, like, I don't start their new depression meds or something like that on my watch. They go to the psych docs and they do that. So I don't really know the nuances of what's different. I, what's, what's, what I can notice though, is like when you've done this for a very long time and you've seen lots and lots of people come to the ICU, you realize, Hey, wait a minute. Like we don't see nearly as much, say, for example, heart attacks as we once did. So like compared to the nineties, way less heart attacks. Why? Cause there's like, there's very like, um, much more effective and much safer statin drugs now than we had back then. So the number of heart attacks has gone down dramatically as a result of that. Like we'd have, we'd have like an entire hospital full of like, you know, cardiac patients. And now it's like, you can barely fill three or four beds. So big, big Ooh, difference. Really? Oh yeah. Big time difference. Wait, I have a question for you. Is mm -hmm. it true about the full moon thing? Mm, I don't think so. Not really. <laughs> like it's just all Wait, random. Really? Yeah, there's nothing specific about it. You're the it. first person who said it's not true. People just make that stuff up. It sounds fun to say it is, but I've, I've never seen any particular correlation to anything. But anyway, like, <laughs> it's nothing special. But anyway, but yeah, it's interesting. I, no, I think, uh, like, I think generally, um, like, I've been very, very impressed, uh, given the constraints of society and costs and whatever. I've been very impressed with how far uh, medicine has come um, in a relatively short period of time. I mean, like amazing results on a lot of different things. Um, like the new cystic fibrosis drugs are fucking amazing. Like mostly a white people disease. And, um, you know, kids now live, I mean, quite literally, it's a lot of white people disease. <laughs> and it's like... Uh, just the, like, are you allowed to say that? Yeah, of course, that's what it is. Like you can say stuff like doctors that? can say whatever the fuck we want. That's the difference. Wait, we but PC culture isn't that racist? Like, you know? No, it's not. You well, you said you're not white. It's you're, it's a it's a it's a, it's a white, white people, people right now. It's a white people disease. Like it's a um, it's I mean, well, I take that back. The vast majority of people in the United States who have it are white. Uh, there are some people that are occasionally Asians that will have cystic fibrosis. Uh, but in those patients, the drugs actually are much less effective, the new drugs, the captor-based drugs that are amazing. Um, unfortunately, there's the, pheno the genotype of those um, patients that are Asian cystic fibrosis are less likely to respond, like Indians and Asians and whatnot. Um, but otherwise, it's the vast majority you, of people in America are- Do you ever say are, this is an Indian people disease? Yeah, like, the, what's that? Are you at least equal in this? Do you no. say, like, this is an Indian people disease. 
no. Do you mean cystic fibrosis? No, not really. So you're only you're only medically racist against white people. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sick. Well, like it's like sickle cell anemia. It's like if you're if you're di- if you're looking for sickle cell anemia in every white person, you're a retard. You're not racist. You're just an imbecile. Because like, how many white people what have sickle cell anemia? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. It's a, black, it's a black person's disease, like generally speaking. You can't say that, Sefi. No, I can. Of course yeah, I can. you could. Yeah, I run medicine in this country. I say whatever the fuck I, I want. What are you talking about? Is, that has to be against the rules. Like, there's, no, there's no, no way. No, that's what we teach in medical school. I teach medical they say school. That, they say the professor says this yeah. is a white person disease. This yes. is a black person disease. Yeah, absolutely. You'll get an entire like breakdown of the percentages and everything. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, so, so if I got single cell anemia, would you come up to me and say you just got a black person disease? Yeah, for sure. That's that's much more common in black people. Cool. It's not even all black people, by the way. It's just specific like parts of Africa, too. So or like sarcoidosis is much more common in northern Africans and uh, Mediterranean. Like, for example, it, people around Italy, Turkey, Mediterranean area. Um, and by the way, and by the way, the interesting thing is only white people worry about this nonsense, like actual black people or whatever. Don't like they're like, yeah, it's a black people's disease. Like, what, I, like what? I have a, wait, I have a real <laughs> like, question. Like, I'm just curious. Only white no, people. have. This come on, man. Talk, it, that is <laughs> like, it is a like, wild thing to hear a doctor be like white person disease. No, okay, it is. But, oh, yeah. OK. All right. Whatever. I have a question. Is there. Is there a divide in attention. Uh, based on what's more. Um, oh my God, can my brain turn on? Hello? Uh, okay. Based on, based on ethnic demographics, mm-hmm. is there more attention on a certain ethnicity for like curing diseases than another? Like, is there, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, are you saying like, are there more people studying, say for example, cystic fibrosis than say sickle cell anemia? Well, I, well, I, I what I'm thinking about most is like you said that Native American people have a lot of problems and that kind of breaks my heart. It's like yeah. since their population is so low, is there not a lot of attention going into like the specific problems that they have? No, Native, Native Americans die because they're just genetically just set up to die. That's a different. It's almost like the same reason why okay. like. Japanese live longer than I don't know, like Native Americans or whatever. It's just like it's just your genetic you know, set up essentially. Um, no, but like uh, Native Americans don't have like special exotic diseases generally. We're talking about routine stuff, central obesity, syndrome X type things, uh, diabetes, heart disease. And basically Native Americans were never meant to eat what like we have now, which is the modern sort of like petro agro, high starch, high carb diet. And of course they get really, really um, like central obesity is correlated very strongly with things like heart disease, stroke, cardiomyopathies and whatever and they just have a like so they start with a relatively low lifespan to begin with and then on top of that you you know you're essentially poisoning them with like what constitutes as american food and you know that's ends up what happens here at least in the u.s that is so fucked man like so we go, like to go to an indian better deal like, like go to an indian reservation walk around you'll see what i'm talking about like the the number of people that are overweight is practically everyone almost everyone what, what are they eating i don't know just whatever american food like like food is like carb and sugar related food is addictive. It's really hard not to eat it. Um, and if your body tends to 
hold on to those calories, you know, with, you know, central and trunkal obesity, like, you know, you're doubly, you know, shouldn't be eating these things. So like, I mean, just Americans generally are eating probably like double the amount of calories they should. Wait, are you, are you saying there's different is trunkal like fat ass fat legs? Uh, no, trunkles like like you know when you have like more belly fat, um, fat that like wraps around your heart essentially. Wait, what does it mean if you like put all your if you're built like a kangaroo? Um, I don't know. What do you mean? Like, what does that tell me about my health? Well, central obesity, um, like where fat accumulates more in the belly, chest, that is correlated with more coronary and vascular disease problems. Okay, but what about the lower half? Like all your weight goes into your lower half. What does that mean? I don't know that it means anything particular. Like it means you got a big ass. <laughs> it just means you have a big butt. I don't know. I don't know. No, it's uh it doesn't mean anything. Wait, you're talking about central and trunco. I'm really not trunkle, like trunkle, trunkle, like central obesity. So, like, for example, if I do a CT scan of a person's chest, I can see fat wrapped all around their heart. In, right. Inside? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Yep. Oh, yeah. So, in the abdomen, so, in other words, if you've ever seen someone like a, you know, big bear belly looking kind of character, right? That central obesity, you know what I'm talking about? That's Men, re- It's that's really common. Part? In particular, it's common among brown people generally. Like. What? Yep. You're talking about the big Santa belly. That's just dudes. Um, yeah, but not well, hang on. I resent Some dudes that. more than others. <laughs> What's that, Chugs? So I resent that. That's not just dudes. That's dudes that just don't take care of themselves. No, also, it's just dudes over forty. I think it's. I think it's. No, think it's Chugs, okay. you missed the conversation. But like, no, there's genetic predilections towards central obesity, um, and it's not. Uh, yeah, obviously, if you don't take care of yourself and you have a predilection toward the problem, you'll do worse than the person that doesn't have a predilection towards that same exact problem. Wait, you're saying that the dudes with like the Santa belly have fat around their heart? Some do, yeah, 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 and you know, it's and increased it's coronary, normal and, and increased coronary disease and stroke too. So it's all of that combined. Perfectly normal to have fat around your organs in. Like it's it's obviously there'd be more so if you're really fat, but yeah, no, it's it's a it's a perfectly normal thing. Yeah, you everyone has a little bit, but the thing is, like when it's a lot, for example, there's some CT scans I'll look at. There's enough fat around a person's heart, it's like you know, the amount of like, you know, a third of someone's lung. You know, it's like it really occupies a lot of volume in there sometimes. I just thought fat was above muscle. I obviously don't know anything. Mm, the media is different, different types of fat. Different types of fat. Yeah, epicardial fat and such. Like everyone has a little bit, but the thing is, like um, the quantity can increase dramatically in certain types. the The point is, you mentioned Native Americans, and I was just saying, like, yeah, racially, um, there there are many diseases that you're going to look for more commonly in certain races than others. Um, you know, cystic fibrosis is something I'm not going to be searching every black person for. It's like, it's not a useful use of money. Um, you're going to be looking for that more in white people because like that's who mostly have it. It's it's a genetic disorder, autosomal recessive disorder, largely spread among Caucasian people. So there's that. Yep. Not, it's not uniform. It's not 100%. But like, if you're talking about like, if I was going to be trying to just like eyeballing someone and going, huh, what, what do, does this person more likely have? I'm not eyeballing the average white person going, huh, they probably have sickle cell anemia. It's just not common at all for that to be the case. Like, um, so it's not to say that there's zero chance. It's just the odds are much, much, much lower. So, so do, you, 
Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. No, you go ahead. I've been talking a lot. And well, I was going to say first. And medicine's expensive too. Don't forget. Like, if you go fucking nuts and like treat everyone equal, then you're going to spend a whole lot of fucking money. And now everyone's broke. So then, then you're then they're like, if I checked you in and I was like, oh, you know, like let's see if you have any black people diseases. And I go through all the. I check you for sarcoidosis, and I check you for like, like uh, if that, I check you for sickle cell anemia. Then the problem is you're going to be like, what the fuck are you charging me all this money for, you idiot? Like, why are you spending all this money on me? So it's like, yeah. If I walked into your place and you were like, let me, let me, so that we can save money, I'm going to check you only for the white people diseases. You probably (laughs) have a white people disease. I would leave crying. I'd probably cry. (laughs) So, yeah. Like, yeah, the, the, uh, you, you can either have a doctor that blows sunshine up your ass or someone with actual, that has actual candor knows what they're doing. So this is the problem. It's like the people that worry about all the, like, you know, it's not like I'm like walking around acting like house or whatever. The, you know, I mostly just say this stuff in jest here. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty good at making the patients laugh about this shit. So it's like they usually have a good time. Um, I'm like, listen, you fat fucks, you need to lose some weight. You know, I'll say stuff like that. Like, you know, just like there's no way. Oh, I very much way. Do you know what those in? You, you, yeah, if they you think me, everyone wants find. They're not going to find someone like me that easily. So it's yeah. like, yeah. So like, I can I, I can get away with a lot more. It's like that's just what it is. Also, Zin, congratulations on the twins, if that's not a satirical post. (laughs) I can never tell with you, especially after your song about killing Coach Bruce. (laughs) Probably one of the best things I've heard uh, for humor, as long as it is in humor, because, you know, you go for Bruce, you go for all of us. You don't want that. Thank you. I think I'm going to take the I think I'm going to take the chorus and make it a real song. Wait, but I you have, should. You should. I, I have another question, Sefi. So I had a serious illness uh, some months ago. It was bad. It was the worst thing I think I've ever experienced in my life. And I go in and he tells me essentially the same thing that every doctor has always told me anytime I've ever tried getting help from a doctor. And they say, oh, yeah, it's so common for like, there's just pain and there's no reason for it. What are they really saying there? Are they saying I'm too fucking lazy? Are they saying I'm stupid? Are they saying I don't like you and I don't want to tell you what's wrong with you? Like what's happening there? Um, yeah. So like pain syndromes are tricky because there are legitimately lots of people that have pain with no real obvious, uh, like clean explanation. Um, the number of people that are going to have like a deep understanding of every disease ever known to man that causes pain is going to be very small. And um, like, yeah, I mean, like there's all the different fibromyalgias and this, that, and the other thing. Um, So these are, and the other interesting thing about those kinds of diseases is because they don't have, they're not like immediately life-threatening in many of these kinds of conditions, different pain things. There is not a very, very like high priority among say, for example, hospital style physicians to know about the nuances of these things. Um, And then like, there's a laundry list of diseases that can cause various types of like soft tissue pain and this, that, and the other thing. But um, many of those are like fairly uh, rare. So then 
doing a gigantic battery of things for generalized different pain problems could get very expensive very quick and then not actually yet net new results. So like, for example, if you like the average person, you're like, oh, here's your $10,000 bill for your workup of this lab and that lab, and we did this and this. And then you don't actually find something wrong. The person's like, fuck, I'm out 10,000 bucks and you didn't find the problem. So it's, it's a real like tricky That's thing. That's what happened. It's a very tricky thing. Yeah, I mean, it's just a frustrating problem. I have a medical question, Sefi, that you might be able to answer. Why is it cases of Down syndrome tend to really only be prevalent, like, in a, well, percentage-wise, in white people? Like, you don't, you rarely see a non-white Down syndrome, like, you know, non-white person. It's just, um, it's just a weird statistic. Well, we, do, we, know that, we know that Down syndrome increases uh, the later that you have a child. Okay. Uh, um, so, I, you know, I'm not sure what all the different reasons why the fragility or whatever you wind up with these uh, various uh, genetic abnormalities, trisomies, and whatever. But um, and I, again, I, I, this is not really an expertise area of mine at all. So I'm just kind of like saying just generally what I understand about it. But basically, yeah. I, I don't know why it's like there's some racial predilections and stuff. Um, there, but there is, isn't there? Simply is are that- like uh, there are some conditions that are actually transmissible um, in a sense, like you, you genetically inherit them, and those, of course, might have ra- racial predilections. That some of those that are just like um, mutations that happen at the time of uh, conception and whatnot, those are less um, like, you know, they're not necessarily inherited. I don't know, like, what the racial distribution of Down syndrome is. No, but you just don't see it, do you? Like, whenever I actually see someone with Down syndrome in person or even online or anything like that, they just tend to be white. And like, that, that's it. <laughs> it's, and it's just something people do notice and they point out and they're like, hang on a minute. I've met, like the, the one funny post is like you, you never see a black guy with Down syndrome, and you don't. You never do. I, I've never seen it in my goddamn life. Sure, they exist. It just it just seems to be extremely rare. Let me see. What like I was pulling up something here. Down syndrome reported in people of all races. No racial predilection is known. So there you go. It's Fair just enough. the pictures of people you see happen to be more white, Mary. Maybe. So yeah, it's Downs in particular, uh, apparently. Well, I don't again. I don't know what the reference here is. Like, <laughs> like this is not definitive or anything. But yeah, yeah um, there's, there's not done a quick Google search. There's not. Yeah, this is just like um, simple Medscape discussion. And Medscape's pretty accurate about things. But um, I don't know. Have all the like the nuances, like the the actual references and whatnot. You know. But if there was something really obvious, it would say it here. I mean. I mean, basically, medicines, modern medicine has been around long enough that, like, gross statistics about stuff, we have pretty good information now uh, in terms of national and international statistics and what have you. So those kinds of, that kind of information is readily found. And generally, Google searches and stuff are reasonably, ac- reasonably accurate. Um, but uh, that doesn't, like... You'll have articles like, oh, like, you know, um, you know, different racial groups might die more of that same disease or whatever. So some of the some of the uh, articles online and on news media tend to be sort of racial disparity related stuff. Um, so I don't know. Um, no, thanks. Thanks for answering. Like, just obviously it's just one of those things that might have been something that's come your way. No, but I've been impressed with like certain diseases. um, There's been an impressive amount of progress made. Like the most recent, like absolute miraculous uh, effect has been on cystic fibrosis. And 
um, it just so happens that the the mechanism of the, the disease, the actual receptor that's broken in that disease, is really really well understood. So that's the thing too. It's like when you say like, why didn't this disease get cured, but that disease got cured? It's not often. It's not necessarily just like, well, we we just don't like you know black people, therefore we didn't like treat you know cure sickle cell anemia. It just happens to be that like the exact particular metabolic or cellular problem that needs to be fixed has to be something with like, you know, something that our technology can actually do. Right. It's so there's fibrosis is a genetic thing, right? Uh, yes. Autosomal recessive genetic. So, uh, but the thing is, it's not so much the gene you have to fix. It's the, the receptor like uh, that basically this particular receptor that's, that's broken in your cells that affects lung and pancreas and what, whatnot this particular receptor, you can actually modify its behavior with the new medications. Um, so each, each disease is like, has a different level of difficulty in terms of curing it eventually. And the other, fun, the other funny thing, the other funny thing people say is stuff like the criticism of modern medicine. Oh, and, and they always use the word they, the quote unquote they, like anyone that uses the word they is usually an imbecile. Like so they I'm don't want you, they don't want to cure anything. They just want to, a big pharma just wants to treat yeah, you forever with a pill. Safi, what does the medicine do with the receptor? It just like makes it work again more or less? Or? Yeah, the, the new CFTR um, modulators affect the, um, the chloride receptor and make it function more appropriately. And therefore you have like, you don't get the lung disease, you don't get the pancreatitis, and you don't get the death and the all the other chaos from that. So, you know, they're actually using them from age two now. And um, the number of lung transplants have dropped dramatically for cystic fibrosis. The number of hospitalizations have dropped dramatically. Um, and it's just a straight up miracle for a disease that like otherwise would have been just generally lethal by the time you were in your teens or your 20s. Um, so, yeah, dramatic progress has been made in some things. Uh, that's impressive. I mean, it's, it's I, really like life prolonging to these people. My my father's leukemia. He has a, he had uh, ALL, uh, acute lymphogenic lymphocytic leukemia. And uh, if he would have had that exact same disease ten years ago, uh, the drugs that were available at the time were not nearly as good as what he got now. The immunologic agent um, and such that he received, and you know, essentially he's cured at this point. You know, he's in the late seventies. He's cured. Um, that's pretty good. Like, <laughs> like some serious progress has been made um, in some of these conditions, and and uh, and it's not necessarily like um, it's not always an order of the most important disease. Like to some extent, like the most common diseases, like for example, heart attacks and strokes and whatever, are economically disastrous for an individual to have, like a stroke, for example, or you die of a heart attack. The mortality is high. Those diseases. Common diseases and deadly diseases get some of the most attention. Um, but that doesn't mean necessarily like the most deadly diseases have the most straightforward cures. Like, for example, a lady came in today with like a big head bleed inside of her brain. Uh, a couple of patients actually today, intracerebral hemorrhages, big hemorrhage inside the brain tissue. So like um, we have nothing to prevent that. Like we have nothing like to this day, we have no idea. Um, who gets that exactly? Who's going to get it? When are they going to have the bleed? Um, you can control people's blood pressure, but even then, some people bleed anyway for different reasons. It's not just a blood pressure problem. 
So even though it's devastating and it affects people of all races and colors, whatever, the reality is like, there's no good way to solve for this. Like, how are you going to go inside someone's brain to go fix a bleed before it happens? It's just not a thing. So we'll probably be living with, you know, intraparenchymal hemorrhages for the next thousand years, probably. Because like, what, like, how would you fix it? I mean, could Neuralink be new uh, X? Well, not X. I don't know what the company is. No, that, that's, that's just that's just an interface with your brain tissue so that you can send so like, now, information. information I'm saying, could this not be the precipice for such treatments? If no. something could interact and, I don't know, have like a, a microwave scanner attached to it, a very, very tiny one, because, you know, technology just goes and it's just consistently going off and it starts no, finding like- Brain no. bleeds happen because just you have a random blood vessel in your you know, brain just decides to sort of rip, and next thing you know, you've got blood in your head. So, How long does it normally take to die from that, though, is what I'm saying. Like, it's, What's that now? Be, so say, say you get, I mean, on average, say, say you just get a blood vessel burst in your brain, because uh, that's mm-hmm. just what you're talking about, aneurysm. How long does well, it take no, to bleed Aneurysm is one type. Bridging veins is something else. So aneurysms you can clip and whatnot. That's a different thing. Okay. Uh, you can't predict that they're going to happen. And if you scanned yeah. everybody on the planet every day with MRIs to find aneurysms, you could find a few, but it's going to be very expensive. And not aneurysms are necessarily, all of them are going to burst necessarily. That's the other problem. And, mm. But the bridging vein ones, which is just like just tissue bleeds, brain tissue bleeds, not aneurysmal bleeds, which usually cause um, subarachnoid hemorrhages. That's a little bit different. The tissue bleeds, there's just nowhere to predict them. There's no therapy. There's no prevention. There's nothing. And that has been the case for the, in the entire history of the human race to this day. So like, so there's some things that even though my point is like some diseases have like a mechanism, you can attack that mechanism and solve for it in some way. So for example, diabetes, like if you have a failure of insulin production, you can take artificial insulin. Yay. Um, you know, and, and you can live much longer, obviously. And before insulin was invented, you just died. That was the end of it. That was the end of your life. <laughs> like once you had type one diabetes. So, uh, but there's other diseases for which we you know, basically come nowhere, even though they're fairly common is kind of the way. So um, what seems superficially like, well, people just aren't paying attention to this, or people just want to milk you for high blood pressure drugs or whatever else. Um, Like, you know, like, this is just not the case. Like, like, you know, mechanistically, not all diseases, just you can snap your finger and they're gone. Um, Take, for example, high blood pressure. High blood pressure is like fundamentally it's just something it's wrong with your genetics. Like there's nothing to be said or done about it. You can lower blood pressure by vasodilating blood, blood vessels with particular pills that do this, but the machinery inside your blood vessels, the the mechanisms within your DNA that created your blood vessels and how they react, you can't take that back. That's like saying, you know, I'd rather be Chinese. And so like now you, you know, Fildo down here is going to become Chinese. Like, like, that's not what like, you can't do this. So to some set, to, at some level, it might be that curing certain diseases simply means that you just can't be you. Like it's not actually possible to cure it because it's not like that'd be like turning a, you know, a cookie into a potato chip or something, just not feasible. Um, so that's another part of like diseases as well. Like the, the stuff that you can't fix for whatever reason. So the RNA vaccines, the ones that are literally genetics changing vaccines, essentially, or can be used. mRNA does not affect your DNA. mRNA is a a byproduct of DNA, and and it's not genetic. mRNA is simply a way to have proteins produced in your body. 
Okay, no, fair enough, because I was reading the study that that sort of therapy, maybe not now, could be used to rewrite DNA to obviously fix certain like disorders, or maybe or maybe if it's only in no, like, an embryo. So, so, so mRNA is interesting in that, like, let's say you have a disease for which you're not able to produce a certain protein in your body for some reason, um, and you need to produce more of a certain protein. Then mRNA is a coded sequence for a specific protein in your body. If you stick in your body, your cells will take up that mRNA, almost like they would take, you know, um, what's the best way to describe this? It's like a, it's, it's literally a sequence of code. That code gets run through a machine and you wind up with um, a, se a, se a sequence of protein and that protein might benefit the person. So that's what it, what's basically what mRNA-based techniques do. And what kind of proteins might be interesting to produce? That's the other question. Okay. So you can produce proteins outside of the body and inject them into somebody. Uh, examples of proteins that we use a lot right now in biologics is uh, antibodies. We produce antibodies, um, artificial ones, synthetic ones, which go and bind to different things in your body and then like either deactivate them or activate them or whatever, or bind to say cancer cells. And then your immune system comes and destroys those cancer cells. So a lot of interesting immunomodulatory um, uh, and just modulatory like techniques have come out from using antibody-based um, techniques. Uh, but there's a, all sorts of other proteins besides antibodies in our body. There's tons of other ones. And to be able to produce more or less or something, um, you know, is basically straight magic. I mean, like take, for example, the cystic fibrosis example. If you could create an mRNA-based system that could target the production of the CFTR um, like channel, and replace that in a kid with cystic fibrosis, well, now you have actually solved the, the problem. So mRNA techniques are going to be gigantic. Like, regardless of all of the nonsense on Twitter and whatever, oh, no, the vax and whatever, most of these people are imbeciles. They don't know what they're talking about. Like, the, the, the reality is that mRNA-based tech is impressive as fuck. It's, like, really, really interesting. And I think some of the side effects and different things people have had are not so much from, the, from mRNA anything, they may be due to either how the, the thing was packaged, like there's these nanoparticle techniques people have used. So yeah, like anything, just like antidepressants were not as good in the beginning, these things will get better and better. And there'll come a point you're, you're, where it's gonna be like malpractice if you don't do this and the, the, cus the customer, the patient's gonna demand these things if you know, it's gonna be really, really impressive. So eventually, like as these things progress, uh, more and more studies get done, they get better and better. But like these represent just dramatic avenues of possible therapies for serious diseases um, going forward. Pretty interesting stuff. Um, like cancer chemotherapy has changed dramatically. Like um, there's patients with adenocarcinoma of the lung that live years and years and years now with like um, controlling the uh, very specific genes that are causing these tumors to sort of just, grow. Just take in breast cancer, right? I mean, it's like mm -hmm. almost you could you could almost argue that breast cancer isn't really a, a dangerous disease anymore, right? If it, uh, yeah, it's going to vary dramatically, obviously, with like when you got diagnosed, what type of receptor. Yeah, but I mean, compared to like twenty years ago, you know, it's like uh, yeah, it's gotten better. It's gotten better for sure. Um, yeah, outcomes are improving and such. And, you know, they in cancer, they do a lot of studies. So, like, uh, they're doing randomized control trials all the time in large cancer centers in the United States. Like, whether it's Sloan Kettering, whether it's MD Anderson, different places. 
they're doing gigantic studies um, and they randomize lots of people all the time to different this cancer therapy versus that one, this protocol versus that one, meaning like subtle differences in dosing or in the duration or whatever. They really iterate fast in oncology, which is why everybody in the world gets neat cancer therapies now that weren't there before. Um, pretty, pretty impressive stuff, I think. <laughs> like you'd be impressed how, like if you, when, when you look at how much has been done over the past just even 30 years, just a breathtaking amount of uh, data has been generated. And um, yeah, I mean, like m my dad would be the perfect beneficiary of the thing. <laughs> like, you know, uh, truly a disease for which the drug he was on that makes ALL curable uh, at this age group uh, was not a around 10 years ago. So it's like, you know, would he have had the same outcome? I doubt it. Uh, and like last time I really studied ALL, um, like, you know, it was basically considered a more or less a death sentence that age. So I remember when my dad got this, I was like, oh, time to do the will and the whatever and get the estate planning done because um, you don't know if you're going to survive this quite literally. Like we, so we were really worried that, you know, could even make it. And then after, you know, um, getting with the oncology folks and everything then we realized oh wow this is impressive stuff um yeah, and even lucky. even i was surprised with how well the whole thing went honestly you got quite lucky there and you sold yeah. the link top as well okay <laughs> it sold the link top at the time <laughs> that's true um but um no but uh, it was um interesting um experience to see kind of the, the level of uh, improvement some of these things have yeah so like whether it's psych drugs whether it's anything like um like you won't notice on a year-to-year -year basis dramatic innovations usually every so often you go to a conference you're like holy fuck that's a big achievement uh but you don't really know like and the reason why um it's not like just snap a finger and it happens is because a new drug like capture-based drugs for cystic fibrosis they came out like you know, like 2012 or something. But the thing is, you don't know how good they're going to be until like kids are surviving and children are getting them. And, you know, like, you, you, like the outcome takes a generation. So like a significant portion of my life passed a decade or more since I first heard about the drug and how we now discovered them to be quite miraculous in terms of their overall effect. Right. So these things are glacial. Um, and when, you know, like people tend to be impatient about about things. The funny thing about Americans in particular is like the vast majority of Americans uh like are not unhealthy for lack of some kind of special drug or chemotherapy or whatever. Like I mean the like like the obesity rate in America is like what like over 50% morbid obese or something. It's obnoxious. So it's like we're pretty fat people. That's just a fact. And <laughs> like and um so like if you and, and if you look at like the, the modern ICU, the number of people that come in for drug overdoses things that happen to people because they're too fat, um, et cetera, et cetera. Like the number of those things, um, like that, that are theoretically preventable conditions are very, very high. These are not things that you need a cancer cure for or whatever. Right. Like we talk about like fancy, fancy schmats, you know, like fancy, fancy types of, um, uh, you know, rare therapies and biochemistries and things you have to do. But the reality is a lot of the stuff that needs to be done is very, very simple. Um, and it's like quitting smoking, for example, like, like something like 70% of all people in American ICUs are smokers and ex-smokers. So that, you know, think about that for a minute. Like currently the, the American smoking rates about 15 to 20%, that range, the number of people that smoke in the U S 
So it's gone down, but like the number of ICU beds occupied is still very, very high and very disproportionate. Coronary disease, stroke, lung cancers, COPD, yeah, all sorts of stuff. federal tobacco tax revenue in the U.S. is still around $40 billion a year, I think. Yeah, and, but you know, but but they don't spend that. They, a lot of times, those taxes just go to just the general government's level. Yeah, yeah, it's still more than on alcohol. You knew that alcohol alcohol actually generates less specific taxes to the yeah, U.S. Yeah. government. Yeah, it wouldn't. Who knows? Um, okay. Smokers are very consistent in their in their purchases. That's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty addictive. This shit, you know. I've been smoking yeah. for way too long. Um, yeah, nicotine is pretty addictive. But anyway, the point is like, um, on the one hand, the public expects all sorts of medical miracles. On the other hand, most of the diseases that like that re reduce most people's lifespan are the the diseases of bad habits, not so much the uh, like when you include smoking and being overweight, the number of people who have some sort of preventable disease is quite high. So, you know, it is what it is. Would you say with uh, the increase of like quantum computing when it comes to say a, a private sector level, it becomes more and more available, I guess. When they start sequencing, say like DNA patterns and cures for diseases and everything like that during, well, in a quantum computer, do you not think that the American, well, because you said the American people are very like lazy and not, not impatient would be the word. Not lazy. I think, I think the whole human race is this way. I shouldn't say just Americans. Like yeah. people are. People think all sorts of funny shit when it comes to medical. Well, it's just more so, are we not going to see medical marvels well, increase exponentially with obviously quantum computing and well, even, let's leave AI, AI out of it because it's just a buzzword at this point, like, but just quantum computing in general, mm -hmm. like the cures for diseases and everything like, are we, are we when they start churning them out potentially? I think, I think Mayo Clinic installed a, um, they installed an IBM based quantum computer i believe i don't know what they're doing with it in terms of it's like at some experimental level and i think you know they they put it there for the scientists there to kind of maybe come up with some different use cases i don't really know like quantum modeling is great for modeling actual quantum problems i don't know how many of those problems are going to be like how much medical solutions are going to come out of quantum computers it's a very type of Quantum computers are not just simply to doing arithmetic or whatever. They have very specific uh, capabilities, and I'm not really sure um, what will emerge from that at all. But well, they're, they're also quite fast compared to modern day computing, which is the whole well, obviously. Well, no, no, no. Quantum computing is not about speed at this moment. Quantum computing, quantum computing, has nothing to do with computing as you think you think about it today. That's like, why I'm saying, yeah, I'm not saying now, I'm saying like, as it does become more available and it does start becoming more, it's, more it's fast at, at certain types of calculations, um, but not just general arithmetic or whatever. Like, it's not a floating point system. So, like, the quantum computers are good for solving quantum problems. So, it's like, it's like a physics experiment type of thing, mostly. Um, how much is it going to have practical applications in daily computing? That we don't know. Like, like nobody really knows for sure. So, like, and we, we the the coherency of quantum computers is not very good right now. That they, they do a lot of they create a lot of errors. And only recently, over the last few years, between the Chinese, there's a Chinese paper and some other papers about the um, the accuracy of 
like the error correcting capabilities of these systems uh, to get better results, more consistent results. Um, even in the quantum computing space, like they're, they, they have a high error rate, as it were. And it's because like, it's a very physical system. It's like, uh, you got to cool the thing. And then there's like, you know, maintaining quantum coherence is really difficult. And I don't, I don't know all the details, but like, it's not a, it's basically a gigantic physics experiment still. It's not that big of a deal yet. I would say like quantum computing gets interesting. Maybe in about 20 years, we might see some really cool news related to all of that as time goes by. But uh, yeah, medicine, like science and technology is interesting. Medicine in particular, um, it takes a long time to produce studies, you know, like, it, it, like the, 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 the pandemic is like a perfect example of like, <laughs> it's kind of fun. It's such a funny thing. Cause like, on the one hand, you have a group of people that say, oh, make me a vaccine because I don't want to die of this fucking thing. You have another group of people that, oh, I don't want to take the vaccine because like it, it could have some side effects. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Like when, when you create some new thing that you have to use on a, on a population-wide basis, you're probably going to have some side effects more than likely. I mean, what doesn't? Every pill mm -hmm. does. Yeah, fair enough. So the way I had it explained to me, because I, I was one of those people that like, eh, I'm not quite sure if I want this vaccine or not, was the reason why it's probably safer than, say, other vaccine trials is the blank check that every country was writing for the uh, trials. Like, obviously, when it comes to drug trials and vaccine trials, the reason why we takes years to usually see the results is because obviously it takes years for the studies to go ahead, the money to be raised to find you know all the extra causes whereas with covid every country was like right fucking get these vaccines out as quickly as possible inject see what happens take notes blah blah, blah. don't worry we'll pay for it all that jazz yeah the process was super interesting like the entire like watching it play out in real time uh, was super interesting um the uh like anything that like here's a simple thing to remember like anything that affects the whole population whether it's a disease, the cure, the, the vaccine, it doesn't matter what it is. Everything becomes political the moment it affects everybody. Because like, then everyone's opinions start to matter. Like, I want this thing. I don't want this thing. I don't mind dying of this thing, but I'd rather not have that. And, you know, and so it's a very kind of like, anytime public health is involved, um, you're never going to get everyone to agree on anything generally speaking, which is interesting. Um, and, and that's going to be true now. It's going to be true every time something else like this happens in the future. It's just a big clusterfuck, essentially. So what's the uh, Zeph price been doing? Zeph been uh, climbing for the past four hours, so I've not really had a chance to check. Oh, it's dropping again. <laughs> oh, you like it's going to take a while. Yeah, to be fair, it's holding the 20. That's nice. Crypto market's going to be like, you know, is everything higher or lower in nine months? Odds are higher in nine months. And that's pretty much it. Everything else day to day is just whatever. Mm. It's just going to go up and down. You can't predict it. It's just like whatever. The only reason to really look is if you have more money willing and you're willing to buy if it goes down. But outside of that, like, what do you care? Do you have to wait anyway? Yeah, it's just one of them. I mean, like, you know, I've got price alerts to tell me when shit's going to go the it, way I want it to it's, go. It's fun, when, it's fun when everything goes up because, like, everyone can cheer and it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. So it's entertaining one doing that. Like it feeds our gambler addiction. But outside of that, like <laughs> you don't need to know these things at every moment.
they'll be fine. True. What do you reckon about John Deaton running against Elizabeth Warren? That's a, that's an interesting one. I'm assuming that's been all over the American news. I don't know. I haven't paid attention. What is it? Who's John Deaton? So you know the uh, XRP lawyer, though, the guy that was helping XRP from the sidelines? Giant, bald head, goatee, ex-military vet, no? No, I don't know anything about him. Basically, he represented 100,000, it was something like that, or 10,000, I can't remember, it was one of the other, XRP users against the SEC to basically say, no, none of us said this was a security, why are you lying, essentially? <laughs> and he was one of the few people that helped fuck up the SEC at the beginning, and now he's running for, uh, he's running to take Elizabeth Warren's seat in uh, in the Senate. <laughs> and she's terrified. If you actually follow the uh, email trails that she's been sending out to people, she's actually terrified of losing her seat. Oh, he's gone quiet. All right, since it's uh, my turn to speak, if any of you ever commission a musician for a project uh, and you want some music made for you and they give you a quote of like $400, $500, they're not composing. They're not a composer. Thank you so much. Where did this come from, Zid? I, 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 when I cut out, I got a call. I got a call from someone I work for and they're like, Oh my God, I just met a composer that said they'd have it done by the end of the day and they're only charging $400. I was like, I'm sitting there like, the song is not going to bring you income. The song isn't going to be good. The song is probably going to be copyrighted or something. Something's not right with that. Like, that's not right. Unless it's just a product they've already made and they're just trying to shift it. Yeah, the composing is not like, sure, if you're throwing samples together, that's the only way that you could like have it done by the end of the day. You want a theme song done by the end of the day? Theme song? Yeah, that's what I spend most of my time doing. It's like, I don't know how to respond to this because if I say that, then of course they think I'm getting defensive over what I do, but it's like, no, like there, there's, it's not possible. You can't. The thing is, then, you're not. If you, if you know better, you should be telling them that. You should be going. I did, but they thought I. They like. They like comforted me. They're like, no one can ever replace you. Uh, they're like, and I'm like, no, I'm trying to warn you that you're getting scammed. Like this, I'm telling you right now, they are charging you four hundred dollars for a full scale composition. They're not composing that. There's no. That doesn't. That's not a thing. I mean, I'll take your word for it because I have no idea about the music industry. I've got a few DJ friends that do comp- compositions and stuff like that, but I don't have a, I don't have a clue. So, all right, so five hundred bucks is too cheap. Work. Composition work, like where you're you are creating the song, like note for note, chord for chord, the entire. Yeah. He plays instruments and he just he, he loads it up to his tracks and yeah he, he does it all himself. So I, I and it takes him weeks to do like a, a really good track. So yeah, I can I can imagine you being well correct about that. And like I said, it's pre-made already. Like, it's like a weird position to be in. I mean, have they heard the track or, or anything to do yeah, with it? Yeah, they sent it to me, but it's like I okay, but I can't like take this and look for samples and see how much of it was thrown together. I just know you can't have, you can't, 
It's not, unless this person is like the brainiac of brainiacs, there's no way I'd promise someone like a quality song by the end of the day. So it's I mean, the middle if, of the day and saying, I'll have it by the end of today. Completely. Even if the end of brainiac, the oven, Huh? He's a bit stupid for selling it so short. Like, you know, if you can do it that quickly, you should well, that's, be that's you should I'm be charging saying. more. <laughs> that's what I'm saying is no one would do that unless they're just throwing samples together, taking some something's not right. Did wait, did there's, music but there are, AI progress? Oh, there's quite a few toolkits out there to do all sorts of stuff like somewhat automated. So like you never That's know what, what they're saying doing. Is like I'm kind of scared because last I checked with the music AI, I was like because I was terrified. Uh, and then I realized like, oh no, my job's secure. Like what I do is way more intricate than this. But when I start hearing shit like this, it's like, hold on, what's going on? Because if people are selling songs by the end of the day for a couple hundred bucks, did AI pop off? Am I fucked? Well, I mean, didn't Grimes uh, basically create an AI-based algorithm on her voice and everything like that and say you can use it? Just I think just send me like ten percent of the royalties or something like that. And like, yeah, people are now using Grimes' voice in their songs. Yeah, but for composition work, it, it, do you know what? It's one of those things. All, I mean, I know how this is going to sound and don't take offense to this but all a song is is a string of melodies chords everything like that and if an ai can sequence something based on 15 songs patterns and make something no, brand new then... no but you're wrong like when i was so like one of the last songs it, music is math it's math and it's but then... max and i understand that ai should be good at math um but one of the last songs I did, I tried using AI to cheat to make it easier because it was difficult. Um, I had to change from like A minor to F sharp major or some, something was, I, I don't remember the exact keys, but it was a weird key change and it was hard. I tried using AI and it couldn't, couldn't compute it, like didn't understand I, it. As far I've as like you. pop music where it's like more defined or you have a lot of... Um, you have a lot of references for those kinds of songs. I can imagine that AI would be very good at that for like, give me a melody that's pop music. I imagine AI is very good at that. But I'm talking about like, never mind. I don't. I know, I know what you mean. I mean, I've heard a few good uh, indie, like rock mashups on TikTok. There are apparently AI. I, I I couldn't verify if it's AI or not. It just says, oh, look at this AI mashup between blah, 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 blah. And I have heard a few good ones, but I think if you're trying to capture a feeling, a specific feeling, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's progressed there just yet. You know how many, uh, how many classical musicians would be ripping their hair out? If you said all a song really is, it's just, it's just a couple notes, a couple melodies. No, no, no. I, I'm just saying that that if you break a song down, that's all it is. Now, I'm not saying a good song is all that is. Like, for example, for me, uh, you, you, um, you being an artist, you know what friction is, right? Musical friction. Friction? No, friction, F-R-I-S-S-O-N. So basically when... You can 
it's hard to explain so when i listen to music oh, okay if music hits me it hits me as in like i get like electric shocks going down me i, I get like adrenaline rushes i fucking I, I go like i get goosebumps and everything and it's not something that everyone tends to get but it's just something like now could an ai do that to me with a track probably not can every music fucking no you get taylor swift on i'm like oh fuck sake this is disgusting but <laughs> there's where i'm gonna get those of hate but like certain songs for example uh, you, you've got um trying to think of the composer that i really like and sorry it's quite late and i've completely forgot uh he, he did the interstellar soundtrack Hans zimmer when i hear something from Hans zimmer i don't know what it is he just fucking yeah i i, I feel the music i can get proper into do, do you know what i mean when you can feel it yeah uh, like that's that's, that's a, me. yeah but i mean like i would yeah, totally disagree with yeah. you about yeah i would say he's a great technician like he he understand i don't see music as a string of melodies and that's it i see it as it's a puzzle it's a puzzle because you 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 have something you want to create there's a way to make it and those puzzles can get really complex yeah but they can so, also be really simple that's why i said i'm not also, saying all music there's also is like constraints that. It, it's a very constrained puzzle in the sense that like, um, you know, like you, you have like a specific time window that you're trying to create a, a track. So it might, let's say it's five minutes or 10 minutes or even a longer 20 minutes, let's say. But the, the point is like, it's not going to be a thousand minutes. Um, so, so time is a constraint. The other constraint is obviously the range of human hearing. Um, you know, so like you're not really like, making these things for you know so the dogs listen to it at some you know whatever so the constraints also are in kind of like the frequency range so there's it's that's the two parts of the math problem essentially but then there's millions of little constraints all the permutations it's like there's so many rules when you study music theory it gets more and more complicated because they aren't fine cut rules like We've found and also, over and over again, when you break the rules, sometimes it works. It's like, otherwise you're just making right. a mess of sound and nothing has structure. So you need to kind of combine rules and structure and then also be able to delineate from that enough to make it interesting, which can get right. really, really difficult. Sometimes like, uh, and there's also just like, what noises and sounds do humans just despise for some biological reason? And and then what sounds and frequencies and whatnot do people just love for inexplicable reasons? And so uh, pop music tends to focus on the stuff that people love, which has like the most, you know, obvious dopamine pump or whatever you want to call it. Like that, you know, it just invokes enjoyment relatively easily. And um, you'll see the same sounds and chords or whatever used over and over and over again um, in pop music, for example. And then if you get into really, really like experimental music, like, you know, I don't know, like people have come up with like 13, uh, you know, instead of like a 12 note system, it's like 13 or whatever. Like people have come up with weird experimental. Yeah. And systems. those can are just messes, though. It's and they, like, and I they feel like the people that like it, is, they, it, they're just like trying to be different. And again, I'm not sure if they're like it's a mess because it's biologically constrained, like human beings, for some reason, the way we are built and our brains work and the frequency of our mind um, and the, the rate of our, like it, how much of that's biological constraint and how much of it is just that we've gotten so used to listening to the same thing over and over again that like we have a hard time shifting to that. Like, in other words, imagine a village where everyone did that type of experimental sound and everyone just liked it for some reason. 
I I think there has to be some sort of biological root. Like when you look at rhythm, there seems to be something that correlates to possibly rhythms that we hear in our day to day. Like we're noticing that as time goes on, or maybe it isn't biological, then it is just nature. Or My I'm understanding confused. of like rhythm was, I think at a, at a root level, it has to do with, um, if you look at like, um, what is the most popular rate of music? It's, you know, oftentimes in the 70 to hundred beats per minute range for pop music. And no, but we're at 120 now. No, I mean, just, but generally it's getting faster. Speaking, the 120 is pretty quick. Um, yeah. but the, the theory as to why though, but what, what, why isn't it 300, for example, the reason is thought to be perhaps that we, the music of our mind is the rhythm of our mind is really just our heartbeat. Um, the most common ob- metronome you have in your body is basically your basic resting heart rate. So it's quite feasible to make music sound decent that is at a, heart, at a rate of like anywhere from 70 to 100. When you try to make music at a, with a rate of like 20, it just seems oddly slow. Um, you know, the rhythm seems oddly slow. And when you start getting into the above maybe 150 range, like music, like, you know, when you get to techno and things like that, you can get up to like 140 BPM and above, but like it's zipping along quite quickly. And I don't know, you, you can only tolerate it for so long because I used to DJ with music like that um, for a while. And it's not that you couldn't like it for a while. It's just like you can't have a crowd pay attention to that nonstop for too long. So I, I disagree with that. Uh, I tend to, and it's going to make me sound even weirder. I tend to listen to really fast or really slow depending on what i'm doing and it basically for me it becomes a mind muscle sort of stimulant i guess is the best so for example yeah, when I'm, I'm not talking out, about you as an individual i'm saying like in the act, oh, whole. Like humanity like okay. if you were to say like take all the music in the world and say like okay like what is the speed that most people like to listen to most it's, of the time Sefi, I'm telling you, yeah. in the 80s, um, I and I love, I fucking love funk. I think that's 70s, right? Funk is like 80, I like 88 for funk. So we're, we're like 80s, uh, high 80s to 90s, right? And then above 100 was like a bit too fast. But right now, um, we're, we're like... The rules right now, if I'm making a pop song, I'm writing a pop song for someone right now. Uh, the rules are two minutes to 20 seconds has to end within a few seconds of la- that. The chorus has to hit at one minute and the BPM has to be around 120. So we're getting faster and the songs are getting shorter. <clears throat> people are people are changing collectively. Another way to look at it is this. if If you take a track and it's 150 beats per minute, what fraction of the human race is going to enjoy that music at that speed? And then every beat per minute you go up, every point you go up, you have, you're going to have, I suspect, an exponential drop in the number of people that actually want to listen at that speed is kind of the way to look at it. So, but yeah, there's definitely, there's plenty of music in the 100 to 120 beats per minute range. It sounds great. Um, no problem at all. Do you remember a you, couple you, of weeks ago? You like electronic music. I and, do. And, I tend to like faster music personally. Yeah. Well, Which was when, frustrating for me because when I used to DJ and stuff, like I used to like faster music myself, 
but the crowd didn't like that shit. Like if you go play at a college event or something back in those days, like you like, it's just because I like to have, listen to trance and you know drum and bass but, and but, whatever but, else. Like doesn't mean the crowd did at all. Like they couldn't vibe with it. But what what I'm saying there is like with with EDM, like you have a 160 song. There are parts of that song that are 80. The BPM is 80. Yeah, yeah I mean, one, play around with that pretty too. rare. 160 is pretty rare, even in EDM. Like it's not. That's that's not true, Sevi. It rare, not like, like proportionally. How many tracks are 160? The, like the EDM entire... bros, I've kind of straight away because I, 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 I like EDM, but I hate making it, so I don't do it anymore. But the, when I used to, we were always in the 150, 160 range. Yeah, one, 150, 160 is pretty quick. Like, I think... Uh, yeah, but, but that's what I'm, I'm saying is you it. have to understand a 160 is also an 80. It's also an 80. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Not every single noise that you're hearing is running 160. So you two were in a space before when we were talking about humans having access to phones and more and more data being basically handed to us about more data than our brains can handle, right? Remember that space about a week ago? Mm -hmm. Do you not find that as more and more generations are coming forward, being forced into this at a younger age, they're the ones, and obviously you do have people like you, me, that broke the mold with it, but they're the ones that are enjoying this faster rate of music, and could that potentially be what, what it is? The brain's working faster, it's working harder, therefore it's but maybe sinking. It could be Adderall. And it's really easy to make my point from the perspective of like, how many people like music at 200 beats per minute? Practically none. Like, almost none, even the human race. So like, the biological constraint question is, if there was no biological constraint, then why don't I like music that's, you know, 300 beats per minute or something, right? It's because it just doesn't sound right. So I think there is definitely, mm -hmm. when we talk about constraints, there is some kind of biological constraint in that, like, there's a speed after which it's like, yeah, you can make, you can make music with 400 beats per minute. It's possible. Are people going to like it? That's a different story. Like, you know, it's like a, maybe, maybe, uh, but I was pulling up a list here, like hip hop is 80 to 115 average. Trip hop ninety to one ten. Um, let's see, house one eighteen to one thirty five. Of course, hard style uh, UK funk one thirty. Techno, of course, one twenty to one sixty. Acid trash, you know, like acid techno. I, I used to like that stuff. One thirty to one fifty. Um, dubstep, you know, around eighty to ninety. So yeah, it varies a lot. But it's the, all I was trying to say is that like that as you go up, every point you go up the target audience for the music drops by a certain proportion. And that, that always frustrated me when I was playing to an audience. Cause like you, you like, for example, if you go and you start like, so if you go to a UK club chugs and um, you're expecting to hear EDM there and you're expecting to hear music in the, you know, anywhere from like the 120 to 150 range, you, you're sort of, you're going there for that. That's what you're there for. Yeah. And whatever. Right. Um, but do you listen to that exact same music on a routine basis all the time? Maybe not. Um, and if you were to go to that kind of place and they were to play music much slower, yeah, you're gonna be like, wait a minute, what's going on here? It seems weird. Um, at the other hand, like if you take, play that kind of music at a wedding or something, um, it just doesn't seem right. Like it's like <laughs> there's something about you know what I mean. Like there's like a, yeah, I, I see what you mean. There's traditions and there's like expectations that you put into something like there's I, like I, I almost that. like a behavior that comes with the speed of the music in some sense, not just the movement that you dance at, but also just the whatever. I don't know. 
I don't know, mate, because a lot of the stoners I know and all that sort of thing, yeah. <laughs> but you'll notice have... a lot of DJs will tend to be one or the other. It's like, you, it's not like, because you'd have to have twice the, you know, fucking collection and repertoire of mixes and things you're going to do if you're going to have, you're going to play to two different audiences. It can be done, but... I um... uh, see. DJs nowadays, most of them, well, all the new fucking ones, they put everything on a USB stick and they just fuck around on a deck. They don't. They don't actually tend to, like, dj anymore it's all pre-made shit so i think that that's not necessarily true it's anymore very, these new mixing tables they can do all sorts of interesting cool stuff um that um and and if obviously like ai and whatnot is going to make it makes like matching beats and stuff much much more accurate and much more seamless in terms of like speed differences like if you have a track that's 100 versus 120 you know you might speed up the track to like 115 you might bring the other track down to 115 uh and then like you might you know get them close enough and then they sound pretty good uh when you try to like speed up a song to match another song too much it doesn't sound right it's just too the pitch is too high so typically like plus three four um bpm and pitch like it's not too noticeable and people don't care you start doing plus eights and stuff like, you know, you're going to start feeling it. Um, and, um, you know, unless you want that effect, you want that like speedy effect. Um, some people like that, but yeah, I don't know. Like I don't know what all the new decks and things do. Like there's probably a lot of the new tech as far as, um, you know, like active sampling and whatnot. Um, Xerox here has pointed out to me a really, really good, um, artist, which was, um, Fred again has a really, really great, um, like vibe that he does uh zin have you heard fred again yet f-r-e-d again um wh no what is that I, i've got to share this with you but um what's the name of the uh that club in the uk is it boiler room or something chugs um let me find uh, it me it's find a, it. yeah, yeah it's a global one though it's not so boiler room just pops up across the world it's just a brand and like they everywhere across the world they do different things like i've been eyeing up the berlin one for quite a while and the fucking berlin one looks amazing like, oh yeah I, I found it zen like which, i you know what a good you here's a video to watch it might be inspiring for you um fred again um and it's boiler room london uh it's kind of where he does a set at a club. Um, I think this club is actually called Boiler Room, maybe, or at least maybe they just stick to so Boiler Room and sign up. L London has its own unique spot for the Boiler Room. Uh, same with Berlin, Japan. Yeah. All the main cities of like the world have their own, but the, you also get the pop-up ones across the country. It's like Leeds has one. Here's told me he was at, I think, this particular event too, so that was kind of cool. But um this guy is really talented zen like this guy is a absolute fucking wizard when it comes to doing things with sampling and whatnot um truly an artist like and he does a lot of cool shit live too so if you want to see someone that's not like the usual bullshit dj like absolute talent i think brian eno trained this guy i believe if i'm not mistaken and um yeah he's like uh his con this guy's concerts for the last couple of years have just absolutely been selling out everywhere he goes um really really good anyway uh worth I, not all of his stuff was interesting to me but there's definitely a lot of pieces like moments in this particular video they're fantastic if people don't know what i just was talking about it's fred again on youtube uh boiler room london um and if you type that in you're 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 definitely going to find it this thing has a bunch of views like 
holy shit, they got 4 million subscribers. Not bad. Like this video has 30 million views. It's uh, quite good. I think you'll like it if you haven't heard it. Uh, really, really interesting how he puts together all these samples. Um, for sure, absolutely fucking talented. Um, like so far of recent times, like some of the most talented people have been uh, Dead Mouse is obviously Joel Zimmerman, like extraordinarily talented in analog uh, synthesis. Even and, when Skrillex comes out occasionally, I think Skrillex, his old stuff, and some of his new stuff, to be fair, like Badadan, I think he's quite a talented DJ. I think he's uh, he's definitely talented. Um, not my particular vibe, necessarily. Hold on, but... I'll be back. I want to talk about this because it's music, but I need to take a call. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Catch you later. Um, but Chugs, yeah, Skrillex, like, I think it's just that particular sound is a bit harsh for me. But he's so changed I'm... it up. If you actually listen to his new stuff, it's a completely different vibe to his older stuff. So like, obviously he had his, like, um, old drum and bass stuff. Now he's kind of gone down, like, the, the garage. I'd say he's, like, modern-day garage, is some of his new yep. stuff. Like, and he like, does it really well. Like, if you want to, like, uh, my vibe, like, a couple of my favorite tracks um, from Dead Mouse would be, um, like, listen to Polaris. Yeah, Polaris is decent. Polaris is just like, I have a love affair with that particular track. It's very, very good as far as like, so far as this genre is concerned. But I would say mm. like that would be a sort of like a quintessential one for me. It's very, very, very difficult to beat Polaris as far as like just, I don't know, the composition, the analog skills, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, and, and um, anyway, but that would be an example of the type of thing that I find really attractive. Um, but yeah, Skrillex and, uh, definitely talented. does a lot of work. Um, I, I'm curious I, now that you've said that, maybe I'll listen to some of his newer stuff because he does have just, talent. I just never found a lot of stuff I liked of his. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, uh, what about Pendulum? Pendulum are quite good. Uh, mm -hmm. well, especially the old stuff. Pendulum. Yeah. It's been a while since I've listened to them. They Pendulum has what, like some drum and bass too, doesn't, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they are primarily drum. I'd say they're they're pro they're drum and bass and techno rock is what I would class them as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they played one of the well, they headlined one of the stages at Downloads last year, so they're definitely uh, they're definitely oh, in the yeah. rock. Oh yeah, I remember Pendulum. Yeah, the, one of the tracks, the older tracks, was "Hold Your Color." Yeah, that's the one. I, that. Did like, you hear that was, the... that was years ago. Yeah, "Hold Your Color," and ah, um, oh, they did a mix of Prodigy when Keith was alive. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, is Keith that... dead? Prodigy's oh, he, like, yeah, he OD'd like seven or eight years ago, dude. Oh, fuck. What the hell? <laughs> like, yeah, straight Prodigy, after Prodigy was, um, like, um, I forget revolutionary. Which I they forget were revolutionary. They, they were revolutionary in the sense that, like, Prodigy got me into the UK. Um, like, at the time, Prodigy was more breakbeat before drum and bass was a mm. thing. And they're, they're the ones that, like, uh, after hearing that album is when I got into that entire genre. This is like, to me, like, <laughs> to me, drum and bass was the most, to me, drum and bass was the most important musical, musical innovation of the 1990s. It wasn't grunge and whatever the fuck else, Kurt Cobain and all that. That's all just whatever to me. Um, <laughs> like the 90s to me was, UK drum and bass was yeah. like the innovation in music for the 90s, for sure. And especially true if you're talking about just electronic music. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Without a doubt. Like you could and then a lot of good guys came out of like 
um, ultimately came out of like Detroit and New York and some other places. But, um, but, but man, like just the vibe and the, like just the mix of like sampling and raps and stuff that people used to do um, in like jungle and drum and bass out of UK was just, just absolutely so different. Like, like sufficiently different than anything else that came before it. Right. It was like, Oh yeah. It was, it was a brand new genre. Uh, yeah. Truly innovative. It was like the equivalent of rock from soul music or soul and jazz mm-hmm. music. It, 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 yep. It's the next evolution of that genre. Well, yeah. Like, sub- like, tech, like techno music was always okay to me, you know, like fast techno music, like Zen was talking yeah. about like one, you know, 120 to 140 beat. I, I used to like some of the acid analog sounds and things like that, but techno is always kind of okay. You'd have to go through fucking hundreds of songs to find a decent one. Like literally, like, you know, like the number of techno tracks I still have in my collection, in my playlist or not. I have a gigantic list of stuff that I've like maintained over the years. It's pretty curated. And the techno things I still have left are a very short list. Um, I don't know. Most of it was just blah. Like it was just whatever. Um, It just wasn't memorable enough in a sense, right? Like the number of so i have a tendency to just delete everything that's not good enough like i'm pretty critical about this stuff because you only have so long you only have a certain amount of life in your head so like you if you're going to listen to things over and over again it better be good so i tend to delete anything that just like doesn't meet certain standards and like the number of things i have in like the techno genre are small break beats relatively small but in drum and bass in in particular i have a fairly large amount of stuff sitting around still um that just like tells you how much talented shit came out of that genre but definitely this this fred again video is fantastic though for sure uh definitely do not miss this one like ears was right about it yours has got good talent by the way as far as i'm not good oh yeah i know i know i know he's got a great ear for this kind of music for sure like he's the one very similar to me though where he's uh what would be he's very musically fluid he doesn't necessarily like one sort of thing he likes talented music of different genres if that makes sense Hmm. And that, that yeah, it's like I, same. I, I, yeah, I listen to quite a few different genres now. As far as like, um, I can appreciate almost any genre. Um, you know, like maybe save for like, man, it has to be fucking amazing if it's country music or something. But like, oh, fucking, <laughs> there's only one good country music. Not song a country like band. Like the, the, no, no, not even band. One song, and it's just country road. Take me home. That's it. That's the only one I will fucking ever go. I right, take road, it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good song. No, no, it's I've not got some good memories to that song. <laughs> yeah, there are a few iconic country tracks, but outside of that, like, um, like uh, I'll, give, much... I'll give you Jolene. I'll give you Jolene. All right. Yeah, <laughs> most other, most other, um, like genres, I can appreciate um, at one level or the other. Yeah, like even really like um, really, really like high end vocal stuff um, can be very good. No, fair enough. See, I'm, I'll be honest, lately, my uh, my my attention for more the indie alternate rock sort of style. I listen mm. to anything that comes on. But uh, so there's a band really, really into it in the minute called Sleep Token. You probably Sleep heard of Token. Them. Mm, what are they? What are they? They are everything in one. So they've got their newest album came out last year. And I fucking am in love with like the whole everything. So their songs are like eight minutes long. Which What's, a good track? Like a, What's a good track from them? Just so. Uh, uh, Back to Eden would be a great one. 
to get into if you want to get back into them. Take me back to Eden. Okay. All right. And it starts off a certain way. About a quarter of the way through, it transitions into a different type of song. Two, like, there's about four different transitions and four different types of like, oh, they're just talented. It's the only way of describing it. Like, it's, yeah. I, I, <laughs> it's I'm good news. Yeah, I'm always looking for like good new stuff. Like, well, one of the most uh, fun things ever in life is when you find like a really good full album, you know, right? Like, the entire yeah. thing is good. And you're just mesmerized by the fucking thing, listening to it over and over again for like a year. Like, Honest to God, yeah. Who, I, who doesn't I, live for that, right? Like, that's they're, awesome. They're touring nearby me, uh, and Manchester is basically the closest they're going to go to to me. And I'm willing to pay. I, I am quite cheap when it comes to paying for gigs of smaller bands because it's like, right, you're a small band. You don't need me to pay like 100 quid for a ticket. But I would mm-hmm. happily pay 120 pound tickets for a, for a standing fucking ticket. Happily. And they're just, they're just something captivating about them. And I don't know what it is, but they just every time it comes, I can listen to their one song, any of their one song from the new album for the entire gym session. And that's it. I can just focus on the song and zone out and I'm in a happy place. <laughs> it's, yeah. To me, is it, like, is it like an indie rock or what is it? So they do a bit of screamo, but it's not screamo as in like deafening. It's screamo as in like, a, a mel- melodic would you say like start a scream but they also go quite fast into like i'd say indie rap and then they go back into indie and then it kind of slows down a bit it's they're everything in one is the only way of describing them were you, were you ever a fan of like uh trent reznor trent reznor with nine inch nails or like like original nine inch nails or maybe like um even like i don't remember if skinny puppy is uk but that was a kind of a funny Never listened to any of them that I would know them well enough by their name. Ogre, I may have heard Ogre a track. from there. Um, Ministry was from the UK, if you remember. Um, I don't know if that guy died of an OD or some shit too, possibly. Back then it was like another, that's another genre that came out of the UK was, um, I'm pretty sure it was came out of UK. It was industrial. Remember that? Like there was um, joining the chant by, who, who's saying that? I don't remember now. Uh, but yeah, industrial was kind of an interesting electronic music genre for a little bit there. Um, I, I also mm. like things like uh, there's a fair number of indie groups like from UK, like like Keen. I think Keen's UK, I believe. Keen's yeah, Keen's decent. He's, he's, Keen's it's decent. Not, um, it's not my go-to. I'll be honest. It's like his classics might appear on like a TV show. Am I get nostalgic? <laughs> Am I play a track? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I'm not listening it. every day. I'm just like at the time it was out. Like, I was yeah. Like, at um keen was good um like obviously like you know there's quite a few great cold play tracks and things like that i wouldn't call them indie i'd call cold play more pop if i'm honest or whatever you know like they call it yeah, indie rock yeah. or whatever something like that it's kind of a uk thing mostly it's like a, it's a uk sound in a way well do you know what it's weird the uk is kind of seen as like the music capital of the world but like a lot of the great artists come from America, and I'm sitting there going, huh? "How the fuck does that work?" Because a lot of big yeah, artists, yeah. And, the, well, the vast wouldn't... majority of everyone I like is either UK or uh, US, and then there's like um, there are a few good ones out of like so. Um, truly brilliant is like Morton Harkett, who is the lead for Aha, right? So uh, they're they're like they're really underrated. Like everyone knows the track "Take on Me," but like no one knows all the rest of their music and they're very good um 
he's really one of the best v- male vocalists ever to be like have lived. He's that good. So his I capabilities mean, are amazing. And then, it and then depends like, on what you want out of a vocalist, though, doesn't it? Really, that's like you're saying before. It depends on your personal preference. Yeah, although more, but, but the thing is, like, there's a lot of people that sound very similar. Yeah, there's some people that are absolutely unmistakable, right? Like nobody sounds like Morton Harkin of Aha. Like no one has ever, and doesn't sound like anyone has since. So yeah, that, okay. that that uniqueness and also his range, I and mean, he he was able to hold what the longest world record for the longest note or something. So he's an exceptionally good singer. You know, uh, what, I think uh, Rick Fingy, uh, the one that it's not, it's, it is called being Rick Rolls. Yeah, I think he sounds pretty similar to him, though. To be fair. I just personally, like just thinking of take on me and um what'd you call it? And I, fucking... I, you'd probably have to hear a few more tracks. Yeah, yeah. Out, I got... Arc it, but he's unique. Uh yeah, Sun okay. Ali signs on TV and some of the other classic uh early aha stuff. Okay. Uh, but a lot of stuff came from Aha that and also from Morton Harkett individually, like, you know, half dozen albums that probably nobody's heard. They're quite good. So if, if you're a fan of like 80 synth pop type stuff and uh, and all those kinds of things, uh, plenty of stuff from Aha that's very good. Maybe uh, at the wedding, uh, <laughs> like you were saying before. Another, another, another group that has like a lot of good tracks that uh, probably most people don't know is uh, Alphaville from Germany. So everyone knows this track Forever Young, but they have a lot of good tracks. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and he's they're very good. So they were originally, of course, like 80s. One of the most recognizable songs of the '80s is "Forever Young," right? So, like, it's like yeah. the, the the sort of in, not indie favorite, but like you know the alternative favorite everyone knows. Um, so, I followed their career for like pretty much his whole life. Um, my brother actually made it to see him, oh, uh, see Alphaville back. I don't remember when they 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 came to Utah, and my brother drove across the fucking country while he's in college <laughs> to get there. And and see him. I, I missed it because I was in the middle of like I had a medical school test or some shit. And I couldn't go. It was like the uh, like the mistake of my life. Essentially, I should have gone to the fucking thing and like <laughs> postponed the fucking test. <laughs> but uh, it's um, uh, no. It's, see, that's um, what I do now. Like I've got to an age now where like I know the bands I grew up with. They're slowly like uh, they're slowly drifting apart and they're slowly not doing tours and stuff like that. I'm sort of going. Well, not only that, but their voices aren't the same now. So. No, they're not. But you still get that childhood nostalgia from their music. You get the nostalgia, so. of course. You get the nostalgia, but Whereas, their range is not the same and whatever. Oh, right? God, no. Well, there's one band that I've been listening to since I was a kid, and they're about to do their uh, 20th year anniversary, but they've said, this is it. We're breaking up after this because we've done everything we want to do, and we're, we're actually going to depart on good terms. We don't we don't want to hate each other by the end of our career. <laughs> and uh, is you me at six? Have you heard of them? Really big British indie band. Who is it? You Me at Six. You U M Six. What? You You Me at Six. It's You it's Me just, at Six. No. Yeah, they were quite big in the uh, emo sort of genre growing up, and yeah, though I've been listening to them for almost 15, 16 years, and yeah, they're finally doing a goodbye tour, which is quite sad, but. I make sure that whenever I hear something like that, I'm like, right, I'm going to that one. I'm never going to hear them again live. I need to need to make sure I prioritize it. <laughs> you know who else was UK that I really liked when I was a kid um, was, uh, I don't know if you remember the band. Um, it's probably before your time, probably. Like, well, I'm but, 28, um, so yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely before your time. So it was, um, 
um, trying to think here. Uh, oh, White Snake. David Coverdale from White Snake it was very good. Wasn't they punk? No, they was they were a hair band kind of. They were like Def mm. Leppard, White Snake, you know those kinds of okay. Cinderella. These were all kind so, of like the hair band age. Uh, Poison was famous. There's a U.S. band and whoever. Yeah. But like, but in particular, I liked White Snake the most. Um, they're they're they sounded more serious. Like Poison was just but like a big like. You know, clown show kind of thing, <laughs> like you know, but like, <laughs> but I really liked that White Snake. Uh, Def Leppard was obviously very good. Uh, both yeah, UK, everyone knows Def Leppard. Both of them UK bands, yeah, um, yeah. Def Leppard's just fantastic music, really. Uh, Def Leppard's good even now. Like you, you throw it on, you're like, that was fucking good music. Like, there's no doubt yeah. about it. Right? Like, back then, it was like like you were saying. A lot of music nowadays is very very similar to each other. I mean, Def back then was like almost like in a way it's pop, but it was like alternative compared to what pop was otherwise at the time. Yeah, it's yeah, like, but it, it it was catchy. It was and it was enjoyable as opposed to yeah, catchy, was, but same same. That it was definitely the 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 hair band age. You know, that's just what that was. <laughs> they came on the on the heels of like others like Pink Floyd and Rush and all these different groups. What's up, Chugga? I don't know who said that. It's Demon. Oh, Sorry, I was yeah, on a phone yeah. call. Yeah, yeah, no, just reminiscing about music from the good old days. I say good old days. It's kind of like beyond like my week. good old days. Sefi's good old days. <laughs> <laughs> you doing all right, though, so, brother? Yeah, yeah, none too shabby. About to go to bed. It's uh, coming up to midnight. So, yeah, I, I, I pop in quite regularly for Sefi's spaces. Yeah, it's either way. It's like Friday night, Friday evening. So I think I'm gonna go do something. Um, so I think I'll drop off and get some other stuff done. Yeah, right. Well, well, then. Good you too. I'm off to bed. <laughs> See you guys later. Catch later. and like Taoism, there's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Tripping on the bird app, listening to nerds flap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly. They just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower, blowing up their bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preach an open sauce, but don't listen to the code. And now it's mutiny, community, uprise. There's no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking West Side shit, needle and noose, sticking with my armory, and beta and Bruce, repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth. Like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue. GM fam, really worth all the effort? Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no.
They started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, the shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, huh? Less knee jerk, more evolution, less shitcoin preachers pretending to be teachers. Y'all just predatory leeches. I mean, please, just look at the track record. A bunch of VC rap fucks sucking up the cheddar. The recipe is two steps rinse and repeat. Now we all in your butts and we bring in receipts. GM fam, have a seat. If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you would be like, don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it. Just say, like, is it, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost us a lot more than what can be gained by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Terrible spaces.